the one and only Jack Dylan Grazer, the It sequel, Shazam, and much more, guys, yeah. here at Monster Mania. Thanks for talking with us. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, my name is Jack Dylan Grazer, and I'm on the Below the Belt show. Ow! Ow! The Below the Belt show is closed caption for the hearing impaired. It is now time for the bad boys of Baltimore. Pips up. Goes down. Alright guys, it's time for another episode of BTB Below the Belt in the Mother Effin' House. I'm your host, Al Soto, your host with the most, back after a one-week break, a little bit of an unanticipated break, uh, as I was in Austin, Texas for South by Southwest, my first South by Southwest experience, and it was amazing, Uh, and of course we got some great content on Below the Belt show uh, to uh, play for you uh, with great interviews uh, that we've uh, done uh, in Austin, in in South by Southwest. But let's go ahead and introduce the panel, if you will. Uh, First of all, he is the king of the 80s, the demotivational speaker, Chachi McFly. Hey, welcome back from Texas. Yeehaw. You know, they say there is only two things that come from Texas. What's that? The cowboy hats and um, beef brisket. Why, what else is there? <laughs> That's a beef risket. <laughs> well, we have a special guest co-host on the panel. He is a, a videographer extraordinaire um, with Click On This. He's also an actor. Uh, he's a photographer extraordinaire. Um, he's also a production extraordinaire. He's worked on many films in the DMV area. And he also joined us at South by Southwest. Simi Terrell here on BTB. What's up, Simi? Hey man, it's uh, good to be back home. Uh, yeah, but what a wild time we had! Hey, it was such a fun time, and I highly recommend anyone um, that's interested in visiting visiting the city of Austin go during a South by Southwest week. Even if you're not credentialed, you can still make the best of it because there's so many great bands performing. There's so many great pop-up bars, um, you know, a lot of exhibits, a lot of things to see and do, a lot of parties. I mean, just a lot of really cool stuff happening in Austin, Texas during South by Southwest. But uh, we actually have someone else to introduce on Below the oh, how can you How can you tell? Because he's all loud coming in here? Yeah, I could tell. I could like, tell. All like <laughs> Hitting a beer bottle on the on the desk and like, <laughs> guys, he is the man with the calming presence. Used he to is be. the improv master extraordinaire. <laughs> you can call him like an improv Jedi. He is also known <laughs> as the Persian prince of pop culture, and also known as the Zadi. <laughs> 
Mike the General Zod. Hey, hey, I, I didn't realize you had already started recording. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's came in all popping so, and popping. Yeah, that's, uh, that says a lot about how, uh, you know, the, the state of, um, let's see, the state of urgency that I had to come on because I was, <laughs> I knew I was running late. So I was like, oh, shit. I mean, and, <laughs> that's why they call you the man with the common presence, right? Or yes. is it a little bit of a paradox? <laughs> I'm all about the irony. I the embrace irony, the, yes. the duality of our purposes. <laughs> well, Zod, we have an incredible show because um, Simi, I don't know if either of you have met, had the pleasure of uh, meeting Simi. Um, he is a videographer extraordinaire that captured um, some great interviews with us at Four Click on This and Below the Belt Show as we are an affiliated show. Um, and tonight is no exception. We're going to be hearing my first exclusive interview from South by Southwest with actor Aristotle Athari from Saturday Night Live. Oh, he was hilarious. He oh, was, yeah. Yeah. Very, very like short tendered um, stint on Saturday Night Live. <clears throat> he is the lead in this great sci fi rom com. Which there's not many. I can't really think of many sci-fi rom-coms, but it's called Molly and Max in the Future. Uh, he plays opposite Zasha Mamet, and if you don't recognize the name, you de- definitely recognize her work from HBO's Girls. Um, and uh, what a unique, very fun, very cool movie! I sit down and talk with Aristotle Athari and the director Michael Luck Litwack. So that's our featured interview here on Below the Belt Show. Hey, what's the last and, uh, um, sci-fi rom-com there was? Can you think of another one? Like Earth Girls Are Easy? <laughs> right, exactly. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> they don't come around too often, yeah. right? Uh, Earth Girls Are Easy, uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> not many. Um, I mean, a lot, some people think uh, that The Last Jedi was a comedy in, in, in some ways. <laughs> because it wasn't a very too lot soon. of Star Wars film. Too, too soon. soon. Yeah. Um, oh, here's also, a, here's another one. A lot of people consider Splash a sci-fi rom-com, but it's more like a fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to say sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. Or how about um, Groundhog Day? <laughs> I'm looking yeah. at this this year. Oh wow. Sci-fi comedies. There's an actual yeah. sci-fi comedy. Oh, actually, sure. here's one. It's really it's like one of my favorite movies of all time. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I I I guess that could. Uh, yeah, that's a stretch. Could that be a comedy, uh, rom-com or comedy? Okay. Well, it's a. I mean, there's comedic elements to it, but I mean, yeah. there's definitely a kind of a sci-fi element to it with the whole, you know, erasing your memories and things like that. Okay, that works. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, but um, well, make sure if you go to General's improv show, make sure you yell out um, sci-fi um, rom-com. Oh, yeah. Let's see what he will does. That, will, that, will that be certain to stump him? <laughs> I'll be ready. I will be prepared. Yeah. Yes. Um, we're also going to be hearing some sound bites um, from the Monster Mania panel. Uh, Chachi uh, uh, went to the Monster Mania. It's our favorite, um, one of our favorite conventions, uh, specializing in horror, the pop culture horror phenomenon. And Chachi, you uh, went to a panel and you got some good Q&A with the young actress that plays Megan from the um, 
I guess the how how would you call that sci-fi thriller horror film Megan with the young Megan that one the one with the three yeah with the Megan yeah yeah, yeah. With the three right I don't know is that yeah. sci-fi it's that was it's, it's like a, like a comedy too yeah, and it's, it's a, a little bit of a comedy yeah I mean I guess in the same way Chucky is kind of like a comedy horror movie but yeah I'm Amy um, Donald yeah she um, is a twelve year old actress who um, portrayed um, Megan in the movie, you know, actually wore a mask for the movie, but like all the stunts and stuff were her, like all the dance, um, dances that Megan did, like everything about the movie was her. The voice was a different actress, but everything else was her. So it's pretty cool. Interesting to know. So you got, you got several questions, more than one, right? Yeah. I think it would have been around like five or whatever. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. um, Yeah. Her line was, um, just too long for, um, me to do an interview in person. So luckily I was able to get the questions off at the panel. A very sweet girl. Yeah. And we're going to be hearing an, an edited um, soundbite of, of those questions um, a little later in the program. So I guess without further ado, let, let's start with um, the reason I was off air last week, and that's because of the South by Southwest Festival. Um, thank you so much for Elena Moscat, our leader from Click on This Show, for um, enabling us to, to go uh, you know, as – Click on the show as an accepted outlet uh, for the South by Southwest Festival. Uh, we're also joined by um, our friend Johnny Alonzo, the Paisan, was also in the house. Myself and Simi Terrell. And, of course, uh, um, which is interesting, on my first weekend in Austin, um, before the rest of the Click on This crew arrived, uh, I hung out with my high school buddies. Shout out to Eric and Gevick. And uh, got on the list for some events. They said they had never attended a red carpet event before, so I felt, I felt like a special, special friend, you know. They, they, I took pictures of them on the step and repeat, and um, that was your first time too, right? To a red carpet event? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the first time on a step and repeat. Good for you. I'm, I'm happy for you. Well, I mean, about, I'll have to it's say about time. It's about something I've been very, very familiar with over the years, but uh, <laughs> um, they're both, they're both teachers, so they, they never get to. They never had the, the, the opportunity to experience um, something along the lines of red carpet. And that was the Yellow Jackets pop-up. Um, so they did a camp, what they call a Camp Yellow Jackets pop-up bar and also turned into a party with spirited drinks kind of uh, in the theme of Yellow Jackets. If you haven't seen Yellow Jackets, it's an amazing show. I've seen two episodes, and I definitely need to catch up on it, but uh, – it was a great event. We had some of the cast uh, from from Yellow Jackets in attendance, so that was really cool. Um, and they had some great food. Uh, that's the thing about Southwest uh, by Southwest. They always have really fun cocktails, and they're always usually uh, named from like you know based on the show because we went to the Amazon prime uh, pop-up which had like drinks named after characters from the boys on amazon and uh, the paramount lounge had drinks uh from your favorite paramount shows like uh 1923 with uh you know the the prequel of, of yellowstone they had a 1923 old-fashioned so um you know you gotta, you gotta enjoy the creativity side of that um well, so what kind so, of um drinks do they have for the boys for the boys, they had an I.O. Um, old fashioned and they had uh, a, a drink for the deep that was like the deep, the deep, 
vodka tonic drink or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Do you remember did what it, it was? Did you like it in your mouth around the deep? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned it, Chachi. So that the Amazon, uh, <laughs> the Amazon pop-up, which was awesome, by the way, had a little boys exhibit. And when you walk, <laughs> had a what? A, a, a little exhibit because you know, they have multiple shows that, so they have to have yeah you said, you said they had a little oh, boys little exhibit boys kind of, sounds kind of inappropriate right hey. <laughs> you sound like the oh my gosh. you sound like the guy that in the bike shop on different strokes for people who know that <laughs> reference <laughs> too soon oh too soon. my god that's that's Arvo. awesome oh that's my definitely god. too pulling, soon pulling out something deep there deep cut right <laughs> yeah, that was uh the guy from like WKRP, right? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was it was surprising that you know you're like a you know known actor and you're gonna play a child molester on your next role? <laughs> his right. name was yeah. uh, Gordon Jump. That was his name. That yeah, was yeah. Name. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, a part of the small part of the uh, like, Amazon. Now. Be careful. Was dedicated to our favorite show on Amazon, The Boys. Okay, so yeah. when you walk in, they have all these dildos. <laughs> oh, this is getting even better and better now. This is the Herogasm display um, with dildos based on your favorite characters. So you had the oh. deep, you know, had a big dildo with fish, with, with fins, you know. And then you had like uh, um, uh, Black Noir with a, a black dildo. And then you had... Oh. <laughs> so I think, I think both the deep and black noir, that seems like a little too easy. That's like fishing, fishing. I mean, shooting fish in a barrel. Shooting fish yeah. in a barrel. Yeah. Starlight's yeah. dildo was very small and very gold. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess it's implying she has a small vagina, I guess. I don't know. So did you, I'm like... I'm impressed at the, uh, the level of detail that you remember the dildo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I took a picture of it, guys. You check it out. <laughs> oh, you took so, a picture. Yeah. Yeah. So all these totals were laid out in, in this little boys party that you went to. The like, boys they're... on Amazon, right. which I know you watch, Chachi. Yeah. Uh, they also had uh, an exhibit for Daisy Jones and the Six, which we'll uh, pivot to a little later because I got to meet the amazing Riley Keough. That is music royalty, guys. That yeah. is Lisa Marie's yes. daughter. That is Elvis's granddaughter. That's awesome. Even though I didn't get to interview her, it was good to meet her. It was good to um, to uh, talk to her at her premiere, her directorial <laughs> debut. I think it's her directorial debut of uh, War Pony. Um, but we'll get into those films a little later. Just some of the other um, fun highlights before we get into the films um, include the Spin Magazine Party. Simi, what do you think of the Spin Magazine Party? Oh, man. Um Let's just say uh, if there was a party for beautiful people, the Spin Magazine party was it. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't put on enough makeup to make me fit in. <laughs> <laughs> there's, well, you know what? There's a lot of alcohol, so I think everybody's looking pretty good. <laughs> no matter what. Uh, I mean, the, yeah, the biggest surprise, yeah, the biggest surprise um, for me right now is that the Spin Magazine still around. I had no idea. <laughs> Like seriously, I had zero idea that yeah, was still around. They still have their website. They still they're still a uh, website. I had a I had a subscription media. to Spin. I had a subscription to Spin for like five years back between the late nineties and early two thousands. Man, I used to love that magazine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is is on Blender still around? Columbia Records subscription too. <laughs> 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 yeah, but is is magazine Blender still around? 
I haven't seen Blender in a minute. That was like Rolling Stone and Stuff magazine, like music edition magazine. Yeah, those those were a lot of fun. But yeah, I mean, like, does it still have like a print edition, or is it all online now? I don't think there is a print edition anymore. I think it is all online. And uh, yeah, because then then I can't imagine with stuff like Pitchfork and Consequences Sound and Mm -hmm. Stereo Gum. Like, I can't imagine people still go to spin for anything. <laughs> I mean, their marketing was good because I wanted one of their free spin hats and I had to sign up for the newsletter. Now I'm getting the newsletter. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, South by South was also about the music. That's why they had Spin Magazine. The latter half of the week was music. Um, we had some great interviews with UK artist Natalie Shea. Alonzo interviewed um, some indie bands, including Teenage Jones and Tribe Friday. And HBO's The Wires, and when Glover was in the house, um, he also is a rapper and does go-go music, um, and we got to talk to Anwen Glover as well. Um, mm-hmm. We also got to talk with actor Steve Yee, who had a, um, a short pilot uh, that's called The Guide to Not Completely Dying Alone, which uh, was a very, very um, dark but very funny um, pilot that we hope gets picked up because uh, I thought it was very, very good. But um, South by Southwest is really all about uh, the films. But before we get to the films, there's two particular uh, things that me and Simi got to attend, which is really cool. Um, Documentary-wise, there was a a film called Under My Skin, which actually featured a subject from Harford County, Maryland. So it was kind of surprising to – to see someone um, from back home um, from Maryland uh, that was at the red carpet for this particular um, documentary. It's uh, three subjects that are dealing with psoriasis, which is, um, you know, a skin disorder that can affect um, the daily life of the individual. Actually, I think that was uh, eczema. Thank you. Gosh, thank you. <laughs> can I do that over? <laughs> nah, I, th- I think that's good enough. I think it's good. Enough. <laughs> Wait, so it's a movie like, of psoriasis. Yeah, it was a movie based on. Um, it was a documentary based. Documentary. On yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That sounds that sounds amazing. So, so it's a documentary <laughs> just uh just about people with eczema. I mean, and, deal, and they're dealing with the eczema, you know, <laughs> as it affects as it affects their lives. Yeah. It sounds oh. like you know that's a that's a documentary of people dealing with heartburn. You yeah. know, it's like, um, how do you like? Well, the thing is, they they did show that it it can be a very serious disorder that can that it's more than getting red rashes, right? Right, Simi? But you know, I'm hoping for the um, sequel based on people who have hangnails. I'm, I'm excited to see <laughs> you know, that documentary. Being, being like really, really crass and cold to people. I mean, maybe it is like really, really debilitating for some. I'm sure it sucks. I, I mean, I'm not you know, <laughs> yeah. discounting that, but my God, at all the illnesses you could mm-hmm. do a documentary on. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's just like you know, like I know, I I can just think off the top of my head. I know three separate people of eczema, okay. and right. and like um, you know, it didn't really seem to affect their lives that much. Okay. So you don't think it's worthy to have a documentary based no, on No, no, no. But the whole the whole point is uh, a truly great documentary filmmaker can make even the most mundane topic like absolutely riveting and great. But I thought I thought it was a good good documentary. Are so you, are you back with us by the way? It's still no. We so. lost your audio. I don't know what happened. So So you watched the whole documentary about eczema. 
We so, I mean, was it, was it, was it good, that? like, was it compelling, like, when you watched it, Al? Yeah, it was kind of, uh, we kind of just uh, <laughs> got learned about the lives of the subjects and, and how they deal with it, you know. Um, it's particularly the one with, uh, from Maryland, because we saw some familiar uh, scenery. Uh, okay. Yeah. Here's, here's me at, with um, eczema at Harford Mall. Um, shopping <laughs> and you know i'm right walking around Here's the mall iron bird stadium yeah i'm walking right. around the mall slightly itching myself <laughs> like, <laughs> like wow a, that was the only documentary i got yeah. to see i wanted to see there's a documentary based on the star wars christmas special oh is it? um yeah but it's called the disturbance in the force i, I didn't okay. get a chance you to missed see that one but you, but you saw the eczema but i saw the documentary <laughs> I know. I well, hopefully, I think well, hopefully you saw the documentary about stumping your toe. Hopefully that's going to stumping the toe documentary yeah, yeah. next one. Yeah, that's <laughs> compelling. As a as an eight part series. So yes, it's about <laughs> yeah. Documentary films are a big part of it. Television. Don't say to anybody that has eczema out there in our listening audience. Uh, television shows are a big part of uh, South by Southwest too. <laughs> as uh, we actually got invited to the American Born Chinese. Uh, premiere and that's gonna be on disney plus and mike the general Rosat, you actually interviewed the creator uh the writer of american born chinese yeah uh, glenn Luen, yang Luen Liang. Uh, yeah and i didn't uh, really get to talk to him much about american born chinese because when i got to talk to him at baltimore comic-con i was talking more about his more recent like comic book work right which is all, like marvel and dc but american born chinese is where he made his mark and like yes. what is that what is that it's it's basically this um, it's a kind of a bio like autobiographical uh, graphic novel about his life being a you know um, first generation American you know coming from immigrant parents and everything I and mean, it's something like you know I certainly can relate to and a lot of people can right I didn't and... know even Chinese that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> you hide it very well yes I do. <laughs> I mean, we actually got copies of the uh, of the graphic novel. Um, we got it signed by the cast and the creators, so that was really cool. And we got treated to, you guessed it, a Chinese buffet at Wu Chow. After it was too appropriate, right? <laughs> that yeah, we treated really to Wu Chow Chinese food. Yeah, I heard uh, he got, I heard he got smuggled over here like in a canoe, like across the ocean, and he had eczema. I heard like he had overcome a lot of different things to make it over here. Oh my God. Oh my God. Well, <laughs> so, uh, uh, what else? <laughs> so South by Southwest is, um, known for the first part of the South by Southwest is known for the films. So let's talk about some of the films that we got to see and some that we didn't, um, uh, we mentioned Molly the Max in the future. Um, again, a rom-com, um, very, very cool, like vintage special effects. You're not going to see anything Star Wars or Tron or uh, Dune um, special effects in, in this film. But uh, it kind of adds to its appeal because it's kind of a more old school because there's like this giant octopus and it was like very – very practical effect octopus uh, in this film um but uh hopefully it's better than the octopus from um goonies 
<laughs> I think <laughs> that one from the deleted scene, like they only yes. showed it like on cable. That, I think they, they cut so bad. They cut that scene because it looked so bad, right? I did, and that's why, yeah. That's why they cut it now, out. Yeah. Now, oh, when you say it's a very practical octopus, does that mean that it was like regular size and in a fish tank or what? What, what is a practical? Like, practical as in practical, practical effects. So it was an actual, okay. Okay. wasn't CG. In fact, Zosh's character Molly had sex with the octopus. So you'll you'll get to see oh, that. Spoiler that. alert. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I don't know. You know, there's, there's some weird. So it's weird a aspects. it's crossover to like hentai. It's a little bit of hentai there if you if you think about it. And hentai was a was a big part of uh, you know Japanese anime, which we do <laughs> talk I about. I thought you were about to say hentai was a big part of my upbringing. Your upbringing too. Right? <laughs> it's interesting you mentioned that Zod. We do talk to the director uh, Michael about. The, the hentai so that that's cool that you oh know. really <laughs> yeah okay. yeah and so, they also... so, so it was a it was a conscious decision by the filmmakers to kind of like reference this kind of like hentai trope about yeah. tentacle porn yeah T- tentacle porn right exactly and they so also did the reference... octopus the octopus like drug off like eight guys <laughs> well <laughs> the octopus was um because that's that's almost up to uh, called... general's numbers <laughs> the octopus like... was <laughs> the octopus was uh, polyamorous, <laughs> okay. so it would have a lot of uh, lovers. But the thing was that um, Max see, see, and Molly, <laughs> at the end, you know, I mean, well, not the end, but they they meet and they they you know the whole the whole story is about them falling out of love and falling back in love. And um, Max is actually part fish, part fish man. So there's okay. a entire race of fish people, and Molly is human. Um, and uh, it's really cool. So I, I would definitely highly recommend uh, this great film. Um, it's re- it's really really uh, really interesting. So we so also does had. He, but does he carry the babies on his back? I mean, uh, how does that how does that work? Does Max carry the babies? The fish yeah, babies? Yeah, is he like a, a oh because he's a fish man? Yeah. We, you know what? They didn't get to um, either of them getting pregnant, so I guess yeah. we, we don't okay. have an answer for that. One. I've got a lot of questions about this. Yeah, it's a lot of questions, but I think the the humanoid side uh, was was more dominant, you know. So he yeah. looks more human than fish. So, but, yeah, but see, but see, you know, this is why South by Southwest doesn't invite me out there because. You know, I'm, I'm making fun of octopus, like jerking off eight guys. I'm making fun of eczema. I mean, that's just like a hor- horrible person. <laughs> we want you there next time, Chachi. All right. Join us next time. <laughs> um, Anthony Mackie uh, had a film with Jane. Um, sorry. Anthony Mackie had a film with Zoe Chow. And this was actually another sci-fi comedy. So we're talking about sci-fi comedies. There are actually two yeah. that I saw. And this is uh, based on a NASA mission that went wrong, and their ship uh, pretty much was drifting between Jupiter and Saturn, and so they had to find ways to pass the time. Luckily, they had plenty of food on board. Um, They pretty much had eggs every day um, for breakfast because there was a lot of chickens on the ship. Um, But uh, eventually, you know, it's it's a guy and a girl all alone in the galaxy and of course yes they're gonna have sex together right i mean come on it's um but the thing is that they're both married so where does that dynamic bring them uh when they come back to earth so uh it's a 
a very interesting uh, dynamic and uh, another film worth watching. Anthony yeah, Mackie. You know, what happens in outer space stays in outer space. Right? Exactly. <laughs> right. Unless you label it space cheaters. <laughs> yes. There you go. There you go. Exactly. Um, I don't know if any of you saw the Becky horror movie, but uh, The Wrath of Becky was a part of South by Southwest. Former BTB guest and friend of the show, Aaron Dallavilla, was in attendance. And thanks, Aaron Dallavilla, for extending an invite for us to join for uh, the, the pre-reception before the premiere. Um, it's very bloody, very gory, and pretty outrageous. So uh, definitely check it out. Sean William Scott, you might know him from American Pie fame. Yeah, Stifler. Uh, it, yeah, played one of the main antagonist roles. And Lulu Wilson, you might know her from... Annabelle Creation and Ouija Board, um, Ouija, um, the, not Ouija Board, but the, the film Ouija, um, a fantastic young actress. Um, she's the uh, protagonist in this, and uh, it, it was a crazy film. It's, uh, it's, it definitely shows how badass and crazy this little teenage girl can be uh, in uh, taking on a bunch of uh, what they call themselves. They call themselves the right wing Nazis, is what the, how they really, how they describe the the, the antagonist group. Basically, they're called they're called basically fascist lunatics. Um, and uh, well, the Ouija board was actually invented it here in Baltimore. The Ouija board was really yeah yeah like the um the creator of it like his tombstone actually has on the back of it a Ouija board. No shit. Yeah, yeah and he's buried right here in Baltimore. Yeah. You saw it with your own eyes. I haven't, I haven't um, went to that cemetery yet, but you you will make that on you're on your list for visits, right? Yeah, but I'm not gonna fuck around with the tombstone though. No, yeah, it like, probably <laughs> not be a good thing. To... No, <clears throat> it's bad enough the normal ones. I'm not gonna mess with a with a Ouija um, tombstone. Exactly. And then there's a film that I saw part of, but I had to get to the War Pony uh, Riley uh, Keo directed film. But Simi, why don't you give us your review of Parachute? So, Parachute, directed by Brittany Snow, uh, starring Courtney Eaton, uh, Thomas Mann, and Kid Cudi. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Wow. So, definitely had some names attached to it. It was it was this tragic romance about a girl with uh, who was in rehab and had uh, eating disorders and her struggle with it uh, and treating guys like shit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was the opposite of what yeah. Um what we yeah, see. It, yeah. it was it was actually a uh pretty interesting roller coaster and yeah, I, I can't say enough bad things or enough good things about it. <laughs> you don't sound like you were particularly enthused with it. It you know I it was it was definitely engaging. It was just uh, yeah. I was pissed off. <laughs> what happened just, at the end? Oh, because of like I mean something to do with the uh, the main character treating guys like shit. Is that what bothered you? You know, uh, normally no. Just the way that it went about it, it was um, it was like you're expecting things to get better and. It just mm. kept playing with those same old tropes of uh, she's playing with people's feelings because she's being selfish. And I know it happens on both sides, but it's 
it pisses you off when you see it on screen, no matter who's the uh, protagonist or the antagonist. I, I get see. that. Like, uh, I mean, they they do say that good art inspires a visceral feeling. Yeah. And so if that's uh, if that's what it did for you, then that shows that it yeah. it did what it like what what it intended to. Yeah, it, and it kept me in the seat. Uh, good. So. It didn't keep me in the seat, but not for that reason, because I had another film to watch. <laughs> and that's War Pony. Oh, let's not forget Dave Batista's in it as well. And I think uh, Dave and Brittany worked on uh, a previous film together. I think that's how Dave got involved. But Dave played a very different character you would not expect. A theater director. Okay, so he yeah. didn't wear, like, True Religion jeans in that movie? He didn't wear True Religion jeans in that movie. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and you know what? Um, I think Ryan Johnson said that Dave Batista is one of the best wrestler turned actors. I might have to agree, man. He's really come a long way. Whereas Dwayne the Rock Johnson usually plays roles that we've seen him in already, you know. But I think Dave has really well, embraced. Dwayne Johnson better. actually played some interesting roles before he became like the super huge megastar he is now. Like I remember, he played like this. Uh, he played this um, this gay guy in Get Shorty. Was it Get Shorty or the yeah, that was yeah. I remember that film. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. He did. Yeah, that was a diff- that was actually a very different role for Dwayne. Yeah, because all the ones now he just plays himself. The same like character. He plays yeah. the same character now and everything. It seems like it. Yeah, yeah. it kind of like kind of like Vince Vaughn. Like Vince Vaughn's always going to play Vince Vaughn in every movie. Yeah, and I think uh, Batista actually <laughs> said that he does not want to play any of the same roles over, and he only wants to play roles that he's interested in, which is why he. Uh, ended the Guardians of the Galaxy. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I.e., his par- character's probably getting killed off, but we don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> we don't know that for sure. That's just speculation. Um, yeah, so going back to Riley Keough, um, she's currently in Daisy Jones and the Six on Amazon, but she actually directed a film, co directed with Gina Gamel, and it's called War Pony, and it won an award. For Camera d'Or, which is awarded for the best first feature film from a debut director. So that that's why um, that's what that film was. It was their directorial oh, debut. It's and nice was to even, see she could come from such humble upbringings. Humble upbringings, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and what's amazing, speaking of humble upbringings, the cast were, were all Native American from a particular tribe in uh, uh, from the Pine Ridge Reservation. And a lot of them, I think 95% of them are first-time actors. And I was um, I was so amazed that they were able to get performance. They still auditioned these people, these folks, you know. And that I guess that goes to show you uh, acting can be a very natural talent. You either have it or you don't. And uh, I was so impressed. When you watch these uh, Native American actors, you would not think they were first-time actors. It had such a realism that reminded me of that show kids remember that show kids with uh mm-hmm. yeah um yeah because kids you almost thought it was a documentary it looked so it felt so real and i think when you're we're dealing with that type of realism it 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 definitely felt that way when i'm watching war pony so uh um and yeah it was really about the the tor- the story of two young um native american men growing up in the reservation and grappling for the world built against them as they navigate their unique paths to manhood. So coming yeah. of age. Um, You've seen a lot yeah. of stuff little boys out there, haven't you, when you were out in Southwest? Yeah, I guess that's the, <laughs> is that the theme. 
But there's a lot of movies you didn't see, like even Longoria's Flaming Hot, which is about the creator of the Flaming Hot Cheetos. Speaking of humble beginnings, the guy was a janitor for uh, for Frito Lay, or I guess the parent company of of Cheetos, and he just invented or, or he spilled hot sauce on his Cheetos and. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I think Ooh, yeah. No, I, actually, I don't, I don't actually, know the story. Yeah, he actually created a, a spice blend in his own kitchen. And uh, cool. yeah, now he has a, a position in, in the company. Um, executive janitor. Yeah. Executive janitor. Say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, do you think that they paid him anywhere near what they should have paid him for that invention? Uh, probably How much not. they're making off of that? That no, I'm not sure. Cheetos was pretty much dying, and Chester couldn't save it until that janitor. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's under the Frito Lay parent company. Yeah. Yeah. But um, is it? I mean, is uh, is Flaming Hot Cheetos anything other than Cheetos with a lot more like hot lot more sauce, spice like, and hot, kick? Hot spice on it. I mean, I know you're talking about this secret blend, the secret spice blend that he made. In exactly. This, so. In his kitchen. But it's not right. like it's that complex of flavor. It's just more, it's just hotter. Right. You know, yeah. you, just, you just put more pepper powder on it. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, and, is it, isn't that the mother of all invention, though? It's like, oh my God, this is different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, they, they stumbled into that. I one. guess he, he's no longer a janitor. Maybe like he's an executive janitor now. Um, we also there were also two biopics that uh, premiered uh, the Tetris uh, biopic. Uh, starring oh, you know, I saw Everton. the I saw the trailer for that. That actually looks like a lot of fun. Looks like a lot of fun. Does, yeah. 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 Um, and it's a little bit of a political thriller as well um, within the history. Did of you the, see it? Did you, did you watch? The These movie? are the films that we missed. So sadly, oh, okay. uh, there was quite a few. Uh, also, you call the big ones. The big ones, right? <laughs> yeah, on, on Eczema. <laughs> the one we saw the one on Eczema. Yeah, uh, you saw that one. I, at least I saw. Hey, I saw War Pony. That's a great, great popcorn flick. <laughs> <laughs> Eczema one. I hope it's like three hours long, like Avatar. Yeah, it was. It was. A you short. make your skin flake like popcorn too. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. Did you after the credits for that one? <laughs> There's another <laughs> biopic called Air, which, uh, as you know, stars Ben Affleck, that was great. Damon, Viola Davis. Yes. Yeah. About the Air Jordan. About the Air Jordan. That's right. That also premiered at South by Southwest. Um, and um, Joyride. Um, it's pretty much they call it the the Hangover with an all Asian female cast. Like it's their v- version of it. Right. It's about time. It's about it's, time, right? Yeah. Is that what they actually called it? Yeah, they, they they called it Girls Trip Meets the Hangover is what they're calling it. Wow. Yeah, that's what I'm reading right here. So it stars Steph, Stephanie Sue from Everything Everywhere All at Once, Sherry Cola, Sabrina Wu, and Ashley Park from Emily in Paris. And um, Adele Lim wrote uh, the script, and uh, along with... Remember the uh, when you watch Family Guy, there's this uh, woman with a very long last name that I thought, man, is that a fake last name? It's like... Cheravacha Trum Drum Drum. I can't even pronounce it. But during the credits. During the credits. Do you yeah, remember? yeah. Yeah, that's I her. Remember that, yeah. She's in. She wrote. That, she wrote is that her real name? That's her real name. Cherry. I always thought it was a joke. Chevapravacha Drum Drum. I'm like, okay. whoa, dude. That is a. So that's like name. an Indonesian name. She's in. Yeah. Indonesian. Yeah. yeah. So is... you know what's funny? If you go into IMDb to uh, type in Joyride, 
There's yeah. literally dozens of movies dozens. That, that have the title Joyride. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's not that unique. Yeah. And then there was one that I wish Sibby and I were there, but it was The Evil Dead Rise. Oh, oh. Because there was a Joyride. Was that like a sequel to Joy Luck Club? No, it wasn't a sequel to Joy Luck Club. Okay. And um, Evil Dead Rise, Bruce Campbell actually had a um, response to a heckler that was in the Q&A. The heckler said, this movie fucking sucks. And then Bruce Campbell (laughs) said, what the fuck are you doing here? Get the fuck out of here. And then apparently uh, got some applause from the audience. And then someone said that someone got possessed during the movie. Um, uh, and then he said, keep keep back, keep Austin weird, right? So that's kind of like Austin's catchphrase, keep Austin weird, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Evil Dead Rise, apparently, um, yeah, the next um, chapter in the Evil Dead franchise, which uh, if you're a fan of that franchise, I'm sure you guys want to see it. And uh, Is it? It, I hope it's good. I mean, Ash versus Evil Dead was so was fantastic. That was such a the series. Yeah, it was a good yeah show. the series. Yeah, yeah. I love Dana DeLorenzo too. She's mm-hmm. fantastic. And um, it doesn't look like uh, it, it. So um, doesn't look like he's not in the top cast for it. Does he just have like a Bruce a Campbell? Cameo? Yeah. Yeah, I guess he's not top cast. I guess he's kind of like uh, either cameo or <clears throat> day player, or just you know, just enough to. I mean, maybe he's even a producer. Who knows? I mean, he was on the panel. So, okay. uh, yeah. Um, but those were those are the South by Southwest. Some of the the featured films um, from South by Southwest. We had a great time. Uh, again, we're gonna hear um, Aristotle Athari and the director Michael Luck Litwack from Maximum versus the Future. Um, at the end of the program. So uh, overall, a great trip, right, Simi? It was fantastic. Absolutely. We had a lot of fun. Great food in Austin. Um, great food, great people. Great um, people, beautiful women. Yeah. I don't know if they were there. if they were the if they were the locals or girls that just kind of flew into town. Maybe a combination of both. Well, uh, judging from my last experience in Austin, I think they live there. A lot of locals, uh, yes. E- even the ones that fly in, they ne- they never leave. So. Oh wow. Girls, girls from Texas are hot. Anyway. They are hot. They, they are. are hot. Yes. They're, yeah. So it was a lot of fun. The, again. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, I hope to make out there next year for the um, Exima sequel. The Exima sequel. Hopefully, Chacha will be there. <laughs> Exima two. Electric Boogaloo. Exima two. <laughs> Well, you're from Har- uh, Harford County, so maybe. Yeah, let's have that person. The, let's have the eczema person on the show. <laughs> and everybody's hoping for the eczema three, the cure. Yes. <laughs> you know yeah, what we should one have? Day, uh, one day. The young lady's name was Alexis, right? Simi. Yes. Yeah, yes. We she... should... She's a very attractive girl. Yeah. yeah. Right, Simi. Right. Yeah, we could have her on. Um. All right. And oh, not I'll to forget. The, I'll be the eczema X. I don't care. Uh, the X of X. <laughs> and let's not forget one of the highlights for me was seeing New Order. Apparently, um, a lot of folks were under the weather that night. So you're truly just just brave the line. I saw six songs. I was happy to see them um, and see also a panel. They're the innovators of new wave, um, alternative rock, you know, uh, synth pop. I mean, they're just trailblazers and that's definitely right. one of my favorites. And they were they were fantastic. So overall, a fantastic, fantastic South by Southwest experience. 
for click on this show and below the belt show. So there we go. But there's other stuff going on in movies, yeah, we're right? Back, we're back in the north by northeast. We're back in the north by northeast. <laughs> so let's talk about the box office. Um, Zod, are we seeing it this week? Shazam Fury of the Gods open to number one in North America. Um, still not an impressive debut, $30.5 million. That's not a very strong it, opening weekend. That's a very soft number one. That's a soft number one, yes. And it's actually a substantial drop from 2019's first Shazam movie. Um, That's a shame because the first Shazam movie is fantastic. I loved that movie and um <clears throat> i don't know if it if that says something about like the quality of that movie i mean it's gotten pretty good reviews and mm-hmm. um or if it's basically you know there's a lot of i guess disinterest in a lot of dc properties right now because this is all stuff that they know isn't going to continue into um the James DCU Gunn. of James yeah, Gunn, James right? Of the DCU. So, is that like people are like, oh, why should I watch this? This is like a dead franchise. But some people uh, think that. Some people are like, if it is a hit, like a lot of people say, the Flash movie would be a hit. That it could change the course of of, of those films, whether they become canon or not, for the new DCU. But right now on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, well, when this article um, dropped, it was a 50 per- 53%. Um, oh, so I think it was, went down. I remember the last time I saw Rotten Tomatoes, it was like at 60-something. And I was like, okay, oh, okay that's, that's okay. 60-something 60, 60 for, for critics. And yeah. um, and I think I believe the audience was uh, a little closer to 90%. Um, which yeah, you know that's a big that's a big gap i mean well you know the the critics are just on uh marvel's nuts so they're not going into not like... really not really <laughs> the the last few marvel movies have not been critical darlings either what would they give um black panther okay black panther was relatively high but um well black panther could be like next month movie and the critics aren't going to give that a, a negative score like that <laughs> right right <laughs> but ant-man and the wild ant-man uh, quantum meat savaged by critics so the, the latest yeah. Shaz- shazam fury of the gods on rot tomatoes 51 percent critics 87 yeah. percent audience so okay not, I, not I enjoyed it i mean i, I like the first one too you like, saw I, it okay good yeah yeah you could you yeah, could talk about it i mean i don't mind being spoiled on this one because it's yeah, not I mean, it's it not was sad it was sad when everybody died in the movie like at the end like that was a very sad part <laughs> But um, no, no, I like I like Shazam. I like a lot of the stuff that DC does. I think it's different than Marvel. And like, right. um, you know, like, you like I'm kind of Marvel. I'm, I'm kind of sick of Marvel right now. Like, Mary, um, Mary Shazam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are yeah, saying like that. that um, she was Rachel, one of the highlights of the movie. Was it Rachel um, Zegler? Is that her name? Rachel Zegler is a definitely yeah. highlight. Yeah, yeah, yeah as a uh, Anthea. She's gonna be the new Snow White. Um, but yeah, She's like, um, gorgeous. But she, yeah, J, J, Rachel Zegler uh, actually clapped back at critics. Um, she said, some people out there just being mean, senselessly mean, and it's unnecessary. If you can't handle the heat and all that nonsense, and you're right, but our film is actually very good. It's just cool to hate on fun nowadays. That's okay. We're good. Yeah, I mean, people are, people are getting burned out with the superhero movies, I think. So, mm-hmm. like. There, you know, there's there's a time when every single one that came out just did amazing, 
but it's not going to be that way anymore. You know, like, um, I mean, the Flash is going to do really well. I'm sure everybody's going to want to see what happens with that. But I mean, you know, even with Marvel, like Marvel's not doing it as well as they were doing, because it's just, it's kind of like the same thing over and over and over again. Which that's why I like Shazam because it's kind of different than a lot of the other stuff that Marvel's doing. Yeah, it is different. Um, can we talk about that cameo? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about it. I mean, um, yeah. it's Wonder Woman, guys. Wonder Woman yeah. has a cameo. But it's not Gal Gadot, right? It, it is. Gal Gadot. It was. It, 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 it was. Well, what's funny? Gadot. Okay, so like this is a spoiler for people listening now, but like halfway through the movie, like he's out. Um, um, what's the main guy called? I mean, he's Billy Shazam, Bassett. but Billy yeah. Bassett, yeah, yeah. Right. But I mean, he's like out, in the comics, he's out on a date. Like, you know the the whole thing yeah. where he was originally called Captain Marvel, but right, yeah, yeah, yeah. They kind of they kind of alluded to that in the movie too. But he's out on a blind date, and you see his Wonder Woman, but you only see her from like the neck up. You know, he's talking to her and stuff, and you see her from the back and stuff like that, but you don't see her face. So you think, okay, this is standing or whatever, you know. Right, but what then they did, he, they did with Superman in the first movie, right. Right, right. But then at the end, you actually see her whole face and everything, and, and you know, and she's talking, and, and it's Gal Gadot and stuff. And, like, um, it, it was a cool um, cameo. It was a cool cameo, but unfortunately, we may not be seeing Gal Gadot in DCU anymore. And, and the new DCU, which... Which would would make would would that be the swan song for for Gal Gadot as as uh, based on what you saw f- uh, for the cameo? Josh? I mean, I hope not. I mean, that that'd be a mistake, I think, on DC's part. And I I don't blame her for the train wreck that was um, Wonder Woman '84. You know, right. her acting and stuff right. was fine for it. It was, it was just a horrible story, and they just really dropped the ball by letting um, um, Patty uh, what's her name? The Patty Jenkins. Patty Jenkins. Yeah. The Patty Jenkins write that. I don't know why they let her that. They're like. Well, well, the woman's a director. The woman's got to be a writer too. Let's have her write it, you know. Like, but she had no business writing that. <laughs> I know. Uh, let's, put, let's put no. Um, let's put no days, 80s days, songs in the 80s movie. How about that? That, that was a mistake. We had yeah. what? Um, like two songs. Like two order, 80s songs. Yeah, Blue Monday. Yeah, Frankie goes to Hollywood. Like they didn't real, actually play song. Blue Monday in the movie. That was they did not. The trailer. Not, it was yeah. They play the obscure Frankie Goes to Hollywood song, and then I think maybe one other 80s song. And it's, Agreed. It's, Agreed. It was uh, very underwhelming. And uh, let's talk about the post-credits uh, scene. We saw the return of that uh, that worm villain, right, Chachi? Oh, yeah. Mr. Mind. Mr. Mind. Yeah. Look at, look at General smiling because he knows who he He's is. He's looking forward <laughs> to this one, right? And well, I just there's talk- a... Uh, there's a um... There's this DC storyline, this comic, this like big crossover storyline that DC did, like uh, I don't know, around 2010 or 2011, called 52, where they had this like weekly comic that was going through like all of uh, what's going on in the DC universe, and they take Mr. Mind, that character Mr. Mind, and like kind of like reinvent him in a truly terrifying way <laughs> like he becomes like one of the scariest villains in dc <laughs> and yeah. like what they do with him where like uh because he's like kind of insidious and he goes into this like trusted little robot sidekick of another superhero yeah. and yeah. does some major major damage and it's like a big shock like when it's revealed yeah. that it's mr mind so that's what i yeah. always remember about mr yeah, I mean, it really blows my mind that General ever had sex. 
Like, <laughs> there, there, there really, called. there really is a god out there. <laughs> like, and his name is Zod. <laughs> <laughs> he's the perfect god, Chachi. You right, know that's this, true. Right? I do know He's that, a Zoddy. Yeah. And there was a second. Was that the there first? There is nothing sexier than being passionate about topics and showing sincere, sincere. There you go. There you yeah. go. What, what, yes. Was there a, was that the first post credit scene, Chachi, with Mr. Mai? Was it the second post credit scene? The um, second. Second. The first. The first. The, the first, first one. What was the second yeah. post credit scene? Um, I don't. I don't remember now. I don't know. Okay. I don't yeah. think I have that. The second one on my. Uh, but I guess we'll save save that for the audiences that haven't seen it since we've talked yeah, about Shazam so much already. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, um, what's coming soon? What, what could top the box office? Um, actually we should, uh, drop what else was in the top, right? Um, the second, the second, uh, number two movie was Scream 6. Um, yeah. 17.5 million. I am so behind on my current movie. I saw a lot of art house movies, but not, the, not the blockbusters. <laughs> Uh, another sequel and number three yeah, is yeah, Scream was three. Scream's okay. Scream was you okay. saw Scream was, as well, okay. Yeah, just it, okay. Well, how much how much Scream can you do over the years? Is it, this is part six. How much Jenna Ortega can you take, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, she's yeah. she's nice. Except for like, it's weird having her and her sister in the movie. Her, her sister's like six foot tall and she's like four foot tall and like, yeah, she's tiny. Somehow, right? somehow their sisters, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's Scream. Like, you know, it's gonna be a twist. It's gonna be. I mean, it's like getting yeah. to be like up to the um. Fast and Furious territory now with all these sequels. Yeah. But then, like, like I said, I still enjoyed it. I got to see it now. Creed 3, third place, which I know Chachi saw. Yeah, Creed 3. Um, it would have worked better as a series, I think. I, mean, really? I liked a lot of the parts of the movie. I liked how they were flashing back to his childhood, and um, Creed's childhood and what happened with that. But the but the last um, third of the movie, like the actual fight, was really rushed. Okay. Um, yeah, if you did a series, you could have had like episodes of them flashing back to his childhood and really dive into that a lot deeper. And you could have had like a whole entire episode just of the fight at the end, like you know, episode ten or whatever. I think that would be a great, you know, I think it would work very well as a um, actual series instead of doing like a you know two hour or less than two hour movie. Okay. But it really. It was kind of weird not seeing Rocky in there. Right, right. Oh, because is that? I mean, that's because Sly Stallone didn't want to be in it. Is that what happened there? Yeah, and I think he had a riff with the um, whoever owns the property of Rocky. I mm-hmm. forget the guy's name because um, Sly doesn't own it, but he wants the rights back right now. So. Okay. <laughs> the number four and five movie is um, Adam Driver's new sci-fi thriller film, Sixty Five. And rounding up the top five is Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which uh, myself and Zod saw. Chachi, did you finally see Ant-Man and the Wasp? I did. Quantumania? I saw that one, too. Yeah? yeah. Did you guys like it? It was okay. Just okay? Okay. Yeah. So, Chachi, like, you, saw, you saw everything in the top five? You saw 65 as well? I didn't see 65, no. 65 is the one you missed. Okay. No, but I figured, how can it be anywhere near, like, Jurassic Park or, I mean... It, I don't know. I hope it was good, but this has been so many dinosaur movies over the years. Mm-hmm. So many dinosaur movies over the years. Yeah, right. Yeah. The big movie next week will be John Wick Chapter Four, and um, they had a bit of a somber um, LA yeah. premiere because one of the actors, Lance Reddick, um, yeah. who starred as Sharon in all four John Wick films, he was young too. Only sixty years old. 60. 
And they, yeah. they said it's natural causes, but Which I didn't get that either. How can you, how come natural causes affect someone at the age of sixty? You know? I don't know. Um but um apparently they were given blue ribbon pins to wear in uh, to honor Reddick. And blue was the late actor's favorite color. And Keanu Reeves said that Lance is a people person, a special artist, and gentleman of grace and dignity that he said on the red carpet of, of that film. So, oh. um, yeah, man, um, definitely, definitely shocking and surprising. He was in that uh, that zombie, that short-lived zombie series on uh, Netflix as well. Um, I watched a couple episodes of that as well. He played the father in that one. Yeah, and uh, shout out to Baltimore. He was in The Wire. That's right. Yeah. He the wire. Well, that's he's a Baltimore native. Didn't he grow up in Baltimore? That's indeed he did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's from Baltimore. I yeah. met uh, Lance. Actually, we I was on a flight to Los Angeles from BWI, and he was actually on my flight. I talked to him then, and he was also at the The Wire rap party for season five. Oh wow! So he was a yeah. He he did a lot of really cool stuff and. He was also like hilarious in some things like he was on he was a guest on Comedy Bang Bang a few times and he was a legit hilarious guy to you know he was uh, it was actually really surprising because I was so used to him um, I was so used to him being in these like really super serious dramatic roles but he was really funny too. I actually yeah. liked him uh, in a sci-fi role on uh, Fringe. Fringe is another one he did. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did Fringe come out before or after The Wire? That was, that was after. Okay. Yeah, with the um, yeah. uh, the woman that was just in the, Anna uh, Torv from uh, yeah. The Last of Us. That's right. That's right. She was which. We will since we're off last week. We're going to talk about that finale because, oh man, was it a finale? I, um, I can finally catch up on that. So yeah, um, and I know Chachi, you're only with us for a limited amount of time. Um, do we uh, do we have to say goodbye to Chach? What's the next topic? Next topic is more movie stuff. We got uh, Marvel and Disney. Yeah. We have this new Star Wars movie. I have some bits on that as well. All right. Well, have a good night, guys. <laughs> <laughs> wow all right well chachi before we let you go we're gonna be playing uh exclusive audio um okay. of course this will be in post-production of um the panel with amy donald i believe that's her name yes the young actress from uh, the megan film so why don't you go ahead and introduce us to what we're gonna hear we're gonna hear so many cool things you're gonna hear about her opinion on if she'd like to see a crossover movie with um megan and chucky um what else did i ask her um based oh yeah also asked her who to win in a dance-off um her or um megan or wednesday adams yeah wednesday um, <laughs> yeah, nice a lot of good questions um okay hopefully you'll enjoy it um very sweet girl and like and she couldn't talk about megan too there's no questions allowed about megan too but they're definitely going to do it you know this is going to be a whole um franchise now i'm sure all right but I, actually i just watched um 
make it again last night and um oh second time it's on peacock yeah, streaming yeah that's where i watched it yep and it was enjoyable the second time so definitely check it out and check out this um interview all right or, um, i guess they, from the panels yeah yeah q a kind of uh yeah. edited all together so here we go with uh amy donald's um panel from monster mania Welcome to New Jersey, the land of uh, every season in the day. <laughs> Congratulations on all your success and probably making your college tuition this weekend. <laughs> so, um, are you surprised, first of all, by how much success, how successful the movie's been? Yeah, I, I'm really amazed by it because we didn't know that it was going to be this big until the trailer came out, and then we had all of the. TikToks going off and all everything was just going crazy. It, it was so amazing just to see how much people loved Megan. Yeah, it was really cool. Congratulations. Um, if you guys have questions too, raise your hand. I'll start calling people out on it as soon as we see them. Uh, come on, she's not gonna like jump on you. She might just ask you to flush the toilet. <laughs> Gentlemen, right here. What was the most fun scene to film and why? My favorite scene to film was definitely the dance scene because I got to work with my dance teacher. She did the choreography for the dance and we got to work together so I got to do something I loved whilst filming Megan. So that was my favorite scene. Can you tell us how you came about getting cast in the role? Well, my dance teacher was always telling me that I needed to do auditions to go and be on TV and then we finally said yes and then we got the audition one day but we didn't know that we were, I was going for the role of Megan and we went into the audition it was very short it was like a week of auditioning which is small compared to all of other audition processes but we met Gerard on one of the auditions and then we found out on at the end of the week in the weekend that i got the job and i was very excited because that's when we knew that i got the role of megan yeah to piggyback off of uh, your question we've had like most of the guests that come to the show are adults we've had a few child actors like from the walking dead a couple other projects what is the biggest challenge you yourself have faced being so young and breaking into the industry um I think the most challenging thing is the hours because sometimes they can be very long and challenging but it's really fun and I think it's just it's so amazing because when you're filming you get to be yourself and you can just film and act and it's really fun so yeah so that would be the biggest challenge for you. It's really exciting for me to be here because it's my first um, convention, so I'm very happy to be here. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Great, buddy. Did you have a favorite actor to work with? I really liked working with Violet McGraw. She was awesome. She she was so kind, and we're best friends. I love her so much. She's amazing. Yeah. Um, so during the trailer, a lot of people were comparing Megan to um, Chucky. What's your opinion on that? And would you ever want to see like a crossover where you guys fight or team up? I would definitely like to see a crossover with Chucky and Megan. I think that would be so amazing. No, no, no. Thank you. you think you could kick Chucky's butt? Yeah. <laughs> OG Chucky or remake Chucky? Oh. OG. How hard was it getting in makeup? 
<laughs> it wasn't that hard. It was only like a 30 minute process because in the morning they had a silicone neck piece to make it all fit together nicely. And then they had the mask, which that was a big challenge to work with because it, I had limited vision and they had a 30 minute time limit because the more I was in it, the eyes would fog up and then I couldn't see. So they had to take me out of the mask every 30 minutes to wipe the eyes out so I could see. But yeah, that was the biggest challenge. Were you a big horror fan prior to getting the role? I, I wasn't a big horror fan prior. I did see some horror movies, but now that I've been in one, I'm very, very, I enjoy horror. It's very good. <laughs> Since you're, you're getting your feet wet with horror, what's been your favorite movie that you've seen so far that's not Megan? I really like The Purge and The Black Phone. I think those are my two favorites. Yeah. She's got good taste. <laughs> the young lady in orange up here up front. Oh, yes, you mentioned your dance teacher, and I was wondering how many years have you been dancing and what type of dance do you do? So I've been dancing since I was five years old, and it's something I really love to do. I do all sorts of dancing. I do tap, jazz, ballet, musical theater, lyrical, contemporary. Um, yeah, I can't remember the others. But That's yeah. all. <laughs> Thank you. So like, who'd, have a, um, who'd win in a dance-off, um, Megan or um, Wednesday? Jenna Ortega. Oh. <laughs> Megan. Megan Wood, awesome. <laughs> so with your um, new fame, um, have you had anybody like, you know, who maybe was like mean to you growing up, now try to be your best friend or, you know, or any, any of your best friends now kind of jealous or anything like that? No, all yeah. of my friends, they're very supportive of me. They think, they think it's really amazing that I'm into, uh, into filming and, they were they were so kind from the very start. Oh. So it's nice to know that they are my real friends for who I am and not for what I'm doing, you know? So it's nice to have them. That's awesome. So it sounds like your family's been really supportive of, of you. Um, how do they keep you grounded and do you still have to like, clean your own room? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so mom always mom and dad always tell me that I always have to I always have to keep doing all of my chores around the house. That That's never changed, but they're really supportive of me, and so is my brother. So I'm really grateful to have them. That's awesome. You have a great speaking voice. Why was it, um, why they decided to have a different actor do the voice of Megan? Was that the case from the beginning? Yes, so from the very start, we always knew that there was going to be a voiceover. But, yes. Yeah, so that was what they were originally going to do because they wanted a really creepy voice. <laughs> yeah. We always knew that Jenna Davis was going to do the voiceover for Megan, but I still did have to say all of the lines. I did all the movements. That was all me. And because it's, it would be hard to do a scene without somebody talking, so I still had to say the lines mm -hmm. for everybody else in the room. But yeah. So do you have any uh, advice for young actors trying to get started? Um, no matter what you do, just keep trying. You'll get denied a lot of times before you get accepted for a role. So no matter what, just keep trying. Keep putting yourself out there. doesn't matter what audition you go for. It's a good experience even if you do it and get denied. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> that was great, Chach. Wow. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. Good <laughs> stuff, man. So uh, we'll be saying goodbye to the King of 80s, Chacha McFly. All right, Mr. Soto, um, Simi, and General.
Good seeing you guys. All right. I'm glad you made it. I'm glad you made it back. I'm glad you um, didn't catch any eczema out there. Did not catch and, eczema. Um, <laughs> good. <laughs> All right. That's the, I'll probably, uh, get, I'll probably get attacked by the whole eczema, eczema lobby now. Eczema is the, just, the the glamorous killer. The gl- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, after after all this stuff, you know, growing up through AIDS and COVID now and stuff like that, like, it's like, I don't know. There's, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. I feel bad whoever has it, but, you know. Right. <laughs> still. Still. <laughs> all right. Ladies and gentlemen. Right. See you, gentlemen. Chachi. See you. All right. Bye. See you, Josh. All right, Chachi. All right. And we're going to drop some more movie stuff, and then we'll take a classic cut break. The first full trailer of The Little Mermaid. Just dropped. It's a little bit more than what we saw in Super Bowl. Um, 108 million global views. Um, one of the most watched trailers for any title in Disney's uh, stable of live action reimaginings. And I got to admit, it looked pretty awesome. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, this iteration of The Little Mermaid. And um, as uh, Halle Bailey, not to be confused with Holly Berry. <laughs> um, she plays the title character. Of, Although um, they both swim with swordfish. They both swim with swordfish. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> and Melissa really McCarthy, good deep cut there, too. Yeah. <laughs> Melissa McCarthy was great as uh, Ursula. So uh, check that out. Um, and news on Marvel, not really on um, movie news, but one of the executives, Victoria Alonzo. She's one of the Marvel Studios executive who who started with the company back with the first Iron Man movie and the reasons for her exit are unclear, but she parted ways with Marvel this past Friday. She's uh, apparently, I mean, this is all hearsay and it's just like, you mm-hmm. know, Reddit scuttlebutt or whatever, but she's, uh, she was apparently not very well liked by a lot of like the cast and crew and a lot of the films that she was working on. Mm-hmm. Like, she was uh, not a very popular boss. I'll just I'll, I'll put it that way. Like she apparently like especially like uh, like, you know, she she apparently especially like treated like um, the um, effects departments in so many of these movies like shit and people like hated her. <laughs> so really? at least. But that's it. But like I said, that's just hearsay. That's just that's some hearsay. Random, Are you reading Reddit? That's just some rando posting it on Reddit. So okay. I don't know if it's true or not. Well, you, you have you take a lot of stock in Reddit, though. So uh, I don't know about that. That's why I had to. That's I mean, why if, I if, if the exit, the reason for exit are unclear, then uh, yeah, then, then there's a, probably some modicum of truth to what you said. I'm, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, that's that's pretty crazy to hear. Thank you. That's actually an inside scoop because. You reading Reddit is great because you get like the dirt, you know, <laughs> you know, we know. Um, so the latest Star Wars movie, um, at least the script uh, has been um, X or canceled or Batgirled, if you will. <laughs> um, this is was supposed to be directed by Charmaine Obeychino. So apparently their screenwriters, Damian Lindelof and Justin Brett Gibson have left the untitled Star Wars film. And apparently they're saying Star Wars scripts are a lot like James Bond scripts or most tent poles. It takes a number of writers to get it all the way home. And they're saying script writing at this level is a lot like pitching in baseball. You have your starter, your middle relief, your specialist, your setup man, and your closer. 
but almost no one can pitch a complete game. Wow. Wow. That's an interesting analogy, right? But that's a, I, I can see the truth in that because you yeah. have to, especially with the big, big blockbusters and tentpoles, there are so mm-hmm. many visions that you have to, uh, you have to cater to. Yeah. Like you got to make sure that it's marketable. You got to make sure that it's not too controversial for like you know international certain international markets. You got to make sure, make you sure. Don't the hardcore fans and then yeah. also bring in new people into the fold. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's a hard, hard thing to do. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. like you can't. Yeah, for for stuff like that, you can't have an individual author with this like singular vision for what they're going for. Right. Which, right. uh, I mean, that, that could say something about, like, you know, that could be an unfortunate statement about, like, you know, the whole idea of, like, you know, kind of, like, artistic integrity or anything. But especially for, like, big franchises, I mean, as much as I'm a huge fan of them, they don't have that much artistic integrity. They're just, you know, they are still vehicles for, like, selling, you know, selling things. I, mm-hmm. I think we can uh, we can attest to that from some of the lightsaber battles that we've seen in recent. <laughs> yeah, they were just yeah trash. Yeah, <laughs> right. But again, I mean, sometimes it worked. Like, I mean, Andor was like really really good, and that was um, right. That was what? the best Star Wars thing I've seen in a long time. Better and than so, I mean, really. Yeah. Yeah. For you, Mandalorian really is still my number one. I haven't one. really loved the first three episodes of The Mandalorian, although I did really like the most recent one. With uh, although, are we gonna talk? Yeah, about I want to talk or? about. I want to talk about Mandalorian okay. after the cut. Yeah. Um, okay. Which we will get to after the classic cut, but um, but apparently they're gonna make the next uh, movie announcement at Star Wars Celebration in London. Um, so this will be the first feature film since uh, 2019 Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker. That's pretty there you go. soon. That's coming yeah. up soon. Yeah. It's coming up. Coming up, man. Star Wars Celebration, one of the funnest times I've had. Um, went to Orlando for that. So much fun. Um, all right. Movies in production. Jordan Peele's next untitled horror film coming out Christmas of 2024. And um, apparently we have no information on it. It's just the untitled fourth film. <laughs> so it follows in the Get Out Us Nope um, series of films. Even though I don't think any of those films are linked together, are they? I don't think so. Yeah. So look for that one. Um, Although it would be cool if um, they did something where, like, it's just some super minor character is in in all of them. Background of all of them. Yeah. 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 And it, it, like, links them all together. That would be cool. (laughs) That would be really cool. That's what they did with the the Fargo TV show. They linked together like all the seasons even though they're completely separate stories they were linked together by some super minor characters mm-hmm. yep uh we also have the faces of death is getting a remake a reimagining of the 1978 horror film speaking of things that we thought were real remember uh they're eating monkey brains and things like that and a bear attack oh, the cameraman faces of death fate faces of death um apparently a lot of people thought a lot of it was real but a yeah lot of... yeah i always i always thought like when i was a kid i remember seeing that yeah and they were like oh this is so was that really faked i 
It says right here, although it was staged and fictional, people thought it was real, and it often was often rented under the counter by by the older brothers at video shops. And apparently it was also (laughs) banned in 52 countries. But the remake will star Barbie Ferreira from Euphoria and Dakri Montgomery, Billy from Stranger Things. So um, that's uh, going to be in production. Curious how, you know, how... Because th- those are all like you know short stories, you know, mm-hmm. uh, kind of or short documentary, horror documentary bits pieced together in a film, which I'm curious how they're gonna make that different in, with with the modern take, you know. I'm actually curious on seeing something new. Yeah. Yeah. Faces of it, Death doesn't make doesn't do anything it, for you. No, I, I I need to see some original content, and I agree. That seems like much is doing it for me. That's not doing it. But how about this one, Simmy? It's called In the Blink of an Eye. It's a sci-fi epic from Wally director Andrew Stanton, and it's going to star uh, Kate McKinnon and Rashida Jones. Um, basically, explores the entire history of the universe and our species through three interwoven storylines that question the very nature of life, love, and mortality. Okay, that's very vague, right? A very broad, vague description. Um, but the original script followed characters in three different time periods. A family in the Neanderthals, a woman in modern day, and a genetically augmented character in the distant future. And then they jump further and further into the future. And um, that's kind of cool. I mean, that's, you know, that's the yeah. original script. You know, I will say the, the cast is a little intriguing. Rashida Jones, Kate McKinnon. Yeah. Um, I'm a little bit intrigued. I'm intrigued, yeah. Love both of them. I think they're fantastic. I, I don't think this will be a comedy per se. I mean, that's what Kate McKinnon kind of has excelled in. Um, they're also doing a, a sequel for Twister, which is called Twisters, plural. <laughs> uh, remember the, is that twi- the, is that the, the 1996 film? That's right. Helen Hunt, Bill Paxton, Philip Seymour Hoffman. And did they, did they never they never made a, another sequel for that? They never made a sequel. This is uh, back in 1996. Yeah, sadly, we lost that cow. We, we Yeah. Yeah. And we lost uh, <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman as well and Bill Paxton. Uh, yeah, we did. Oh, um, and Helen, I mean, well, yeah, I guess Helen Hunt's still alive. I don't know. <laughs> she's alive as well, Chachi, yes. <laughs> um, but Daisy Edgar Jones, she's going to be the... Uh, one of the first uh, stars attached to this film and um, Minari Oscar nominee, Lee Isaac Chung will direct and the screenplay will be by Revenant writer, Mark L. Smith. So that's pretty good pedigree. Good names. Yeah. Yeah. Good names attached to that. Um, We also have white Lotus breakout star, Will Sharp getting back behind the camera for a feature film adaptation for the 2021 memoir crying in H Mart. And uh, we all, are familiar with H Mart, it's a Korean grocery yeah. store. My dad I'd loves say, a few I, I good love that place. H Mart. Gotta love H Mart. So it's about a half Korean daughter who returns to small town that's, Oregon. That's written by the lead singer of Japanese Breakfast, right? Is it? The, okay. The band Japanese Breakfast. Yeah, I think you're right. Think yeah. 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 I saw something about that. Yeah. So uh the daughter returns to small town to care for a Korean mother. Critical uh and creative and independent uh, Michelle struggles to understand each other across a cultural fault line. So, um, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely worth a look. Um, also, uh, Anne Hathaway 
uh, has a film called Mother Mary with A24, described as an epic pop melodrama, which will delve into the relationship between a musician, Anne Hathaway, and a renowned fashion designer played by Michaela Cole. So that's another film to look forward to. Evan Rachel Wood, she has a film called Backspot. It's uh, D.W. Watterson's featured directorial debut and executive produced by Elliot Page. And uh, Evan Rachel Wood will be the professional cheerleading coach. Eileen McNamara, head coach of the high-performance Thunderhawk squad, who pulls Riley and Amanda from their mid-level cheer team to part of her group of intensely competitive athletes. Not really sold on the plot on that one. That's not really pulling me in. Um, <laughs> but this one is Kiki Palmer in a very similar title called The Back Up, as opposed to The Back Lot. Uh, Kiki Palmer and Kevin Hart have a feature comedy called The Back Up. And, uh, you know, it's Kevin Hart, man. I'm a big fan of Kevin. So uh, looking forward to that one. Um, the script follows Ben, who's uh, a player who finally decides to settle down with a childhood friend, Alyssa, played by Kiki Palmer. Unfortunately, she's engaged to a billionaire. <laughs> so that puts a lot of uh, uh, obstacles uh, in front of Kevin Hart's character to overcome someone that's uh, engaged to a billionaire. So we'll have to see how that goes. <laughs> um, when we come back from a classic cut, um, we're going to talk about some television stuff. I'd like to do a little quick uh, recap of the Oscars and um, Last of Us finale talk and uh, a couple more tv things so uh are we saying goodbye to simmy or simmy sticking around for with us yeah i was hoping to make it into the last of us talk but unfortunately i got some work to do so we can get some uh more content out there content for click on this uh yeah for click on this and uh south by southwest and one of your interviews done too yeah Get you some oh. more interviews. Yeah, man. So that that's always a great thing. So we'd like to thank, of course, Simi Terrell. Can we can we give you a, a, a nickname when you come back on the show? Hey, man, we, uh, I can't give it to myself. So yeah, why you not? can think of something creative or send me some suggestions. That'd be cool. <laughs> everyone's got the everyone's got their nickname on the show. Maybe so. we'll have to call up uh, Johnny Alonzo and see what he throws out. There. Maybe he can maybe he can come up. He came up with Celebrity Soto. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, for the for the classic cut guys, um, I figured we would play a band that I saw at South by Southwest, New Order, which was one of the highlights of uh, of my South by Southwest experience, and this is one of their hit songs. Uh, General Zod, um, you know, take a guess of which uh, hit song I'm going to play. You're going to play Bizarre Love Triangle. I'm not going to play Bizarre Love Triangle, no. I'm going to play True Faith. Oh, True Faith's a great song. And this is one of the songs that um, that I heard because, I, again, in that long line, I was only able to catch the last set of perform of songs. And there's the last three New Order songs. And then they did their little encore, and they came back and gave us three Joy Division songs. So I oh, thought, well, that would have been awesome. I remember when we saw them, we saw them last fall and they played they played one Joy Division song. One Joy Division song. We got yeah. three. Yeah. Level Terrace Apart Ceremony and Transmission. Oh, that's awesome. That was pretty awesome. But uh but let's hear some new order, guys. Okay. And we're gonna say goodbye to Simi Terrell and we'll be back right here on BTV. All right. Simi, guys. Been a pleasure. Yeah. 
guys, that was New Order. True Faith. What a great, great song and a great show at South by Southwest. All right, since we were off last week, we didn't get to talk about the 95th Oscars, the Academy Awards. Um, There are no slaps. (laughs) In fact, um, Jimmy Kimmel made a joke uh, that the crisis team was put in place to avoid a similar moment um, (laughs) during his monologue. Uh, Kimmel uh, had a really, really funny monologue. He also talked uh, about how John Williams is the oldest nominee in the award show category. Um, He talked about, um, well, it was was pretty safe, (laughs) let's just say. Uh, Definitely didn't piss anyone off that uh, someone wanted to jump on stage and slap the hell out of him. It's kind of interesting. Like, I really wonder if the producers of the Oscars would actually want to have crazy things happen at the oscars because then people talk about it like forever it's great pr yeah you know it's pretty much what mtv the vmas had years ago you know yeah yeah because like you you think about like just off top my head i remember um there was the thing about uh i guess it was what three or four years ago where um, I think it was Faye Dunaway announced the wrong winner for best picture. <laughs> and, and, then La La it, and then it did it again with moonlight, moonlight and La La Land. Yeah. Yeah. And several years later talked about that for a while. And then also um, that brings up ratings. I mean, people were watching the Oscars replay to see both the, the slap, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I, maybe they shouldn't play it too safe. I don't know, but you know, it was a very moving, a very moving ceremony, Zod, because Ki Hu Guan, who we grew up watching The Goonies and Indiana Jones, retires from acting, comes back, and he freaking wins an Oscar, guys, for yeah. Best Supporting Actor of in a feature for Everything Everywhere All at Once, and also the fa- first Asian American actor to win that award. Which, um, I mean, that 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 movie just pretty much made history, you know. Um, oh yeah. His his speech was so moving. Got to watch Ki Hu Kwan's uh, uh, acceptance speech. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis actually won Best Supporting Actress for her role as IRS Inspector Deidre Bubudre. Um, and like Jamie Lee Curtis, I think um, of all performances, I thought hers was actually kind of the weakest. But I can see why she won really? because the movie had such a will. And um, and also because she's had this like I've always like you ever noticed like a lot of best supporting best supporting actor and best supporting actress winners are these like Hollywood veterans who have been around for a long, long time and have these like long careers. But it's Mm -hmm. always it's it's also their first Oscar win. Yeah. True, true. And so. you know, and there, there, there's always been this, uh, there's always been this idea that a lot of times the best supporting role Oscars are more like almost like lifetime achievement Oscars for actors who've had these like really great storied careers, but may not have, you know, had one role that like or one um, thing that completely brought them to the top. Well, Jamie Lee Curtis is a veteran, and she's been. You know, she's in her 60s. She's yeah. been in the business for a long time. And it was good to see her, 
you know, you know, win the big, I mean, this is the top prize in, 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 in film acting. And, uh, mm-hmm. it was good to see her woman. Cause she's done a lot of like, you know, genre type movies like Halloween and she's done the avatar movies. Right. Did she, was she an avatar? Oh, no, no, she wasn't an avatar. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that's no, 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 that's a good movie. Sorry. Um, so she's done a lot of those type of movies, you know? Um, and of course, everything everywhere all at once, uh, the winner for best picture, um, and Michelle Yeoh, uh, best actress, leading actress for everything everywhere all at once. Um, but best actor, um, lead actor is Brendan Fraser for the whale. And I did see the whale and I thought he gave a, a phenomenal performance, um, and definitely, definitely worthy of winning. I mean, it was pretty much, it was pretty much Awesome Butler as Elvis and Brennan Fraser for the Whale. And yeah, because you know, Awesome won the Golden Globe, Brendan won the 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 SAG Award and the Critics' Choice. I probably so, saw yeah. Elvis over the weekend, and um, yeah, I could see. I mean, Austin Butler was like he did phenom- phenomenal. Yeah, he he kind of just completely melted into Elvis, like the way you'd imagine Elvis. But you don't have you haven't watched the whale to be able to compare though, right? No, I haven't seen the whale. The whale is one of the like I haven't seen the whale. I haven't seen the Fablemans. I haven't seen Tar or Women's Hawking. Like uh, almost all of the other big Oscar movies I've seen, and um, but yeah, the. I'm sure. I'm sure he deserved it. I know that there was some kind of con- there was some controversy because I guess you know they they thought that it it would have been better served having an actual 600 pound man actor be the. That's what they uh, say. But at the end yeah. of the day, it's got to be an accomplished actor in that role. So there might mm-hmm. there might be someone that fits the size, but can they act? Can they can right. they pull off that character? So, uh, of course, the Daniels win for best director for everything ever all at once. Mm-hmm. Best original song I need to watch is I heard it's on Netflix. Oh my god! Triple R. Go see, yeah, go it's see. It's on that Netflix. Movie. Okay, it's yeah, it's on Netflix. Yeah. Okay, you seen it? Yeah, I actually saw that. I saw that last Friday. I, w- I went through. I was. I've been going through like a big, you know, because I was like, oh, I gotta watch all these movies. So I saw RR on Friday. That movie is fucking insane. Okay. It is. It is so incredible, <laughs> and it is. How's so- the How's the original song? Oh, the not song to, is fantastic, to, and okay. they do this like <laughs> insane dance, dance. which is, like right. kind of like hypnotic to watch. Right. <laughs> but that movie, that movie was so entertaining and so much fun to watch. You you got to see it. Okay. Uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, the winner for best original score. Mm-hmm. Um, costume that's design. A, a, yeah, All Quiet on the Western Front, I think, is like more of like a traditional Oscar movie, like Oscar yeah. fodder type. Because it's either usually a war movie or some very, very serious drama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, and, you know, I liked it. Have you seen All Quiet on the Western Front? I haven't I, seen it, yeah. I thought in, it... I thought in it, addition it, to uh, Best Original Score, All Quiet on the Western Front also wins for Best Cinematography mm-hmm. and be- Best Production Design. So that's yeah. pretty, pretty awesome on there. And for that... Um, best original screenplay goes to Everything Everywhere All at Once. Best film editing also Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh, and then we have um, adapted screenplay, Women Talking, that one for the best screenplay. Um, 
Black Panther, Wakanda Forever for best costume design. Mm-hmm. Best sound goes to Top Gun Maverick. And um, visual effects, Avatar, The Way of the Water. And a best uh, animated feature, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. So, That's another movie that um, I, I don't think, I don't know. If, I'm guessing you haven't seen it. I, I haven't seen it yet either. Okay. Um, um, but apparently movie. it's a lot better than the Tom Hanks version of Pinocchio. Yeah, that's a movie that um, you kind of watch, and I really enjoyed that movie a lot. But it's a movie that's way too dark to be a children's movie. Right. But not quite like, um, but not quite, but still like really, really whimsical in like mm-hmm. a and. And it makes and you watch a movie like that and you almost think what like because uh, the story behind that is Guillermo del Toro had to had a lot of trouble finding the financing to make that movie. And he went to like all these different studios before Netflix agreed to uh, to finance it. And you can almost see why, because it is a really, really weird movie. <laughs> Guillermo is a weird so. director. I mean, you've seen Way, uh, Way of the Water. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you mean Shape of the Water. Shape of the Water. Thank you. And Pan's yeah. Labyrinth and yeah. like the first Hellboy movie and yeah. yeah he, was it the first or the second one that he did? Oh, it was yeah. it was the first one. Oh. And we we have somebody to introduce. Okay. Yes, uh, she's the one and only model, actress, um, entrepreneur, social media influencer. Am I missing anything? I don't think so. <laughs> did, I, did I get it all? Sarah, Sarah Snuffleupagus Bentman, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Sarah, we got to finally uh, reunite on 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 a set, on a film set. Um, you're going to be featured in the latest Barcada DMV short film, um, which uh, is going to be another chapter in the Muhusai-verse, as I like to call it. Uh, <laughs> Um, and it's called, I believe, The Lost Family. I think I'm not sure if it's a working title or the um, Secret Family. So the Mahusai Secret Family, um, uh, the next chapter. And uh, we had a lot of fun uh, shooting on uh, Sunday, didn't we? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yes. And I guess we can talk about it. It's not too spoilery. Can you talk about your role? Sure. Um, I was what I do in, in my normal job life. I was a spa attendant. So Yes. There you go. And I thought of Sarah right away when I was doing the casting. I was like, we got to reach out to Sarah Snuffleupagus Bentman because our films, you know, we do get a lot of Filipino actors, but, you know, it's all about being inclusive at the, at the end of the day. So we should include others as well. And I brought that point up to Francis. She's like, yes, you're right. So here we are as, as Sarah is our sole, uh, I guess non-Filipina actor in a Filipino project, which is kind of cool. You know, kind of, you got to do a hashtag mix. You got to mix it up, right? Amen. Yes. Was how did it feel to be back on 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 a on a film shoot? It it's been a minute, right? Good. It felt so good. Yeah. <laughs> she she did a great job. We got a little bit of improv in there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Of course, we're not going to talk any plot points of, of what uh, Sarah's character did, but it's going to be another another funny hysterical chapter in uh, the Mahu Cybers. Yeah, that's the family. The family is called the Mahusais, and and Mahusai is the Tagalog, the Filipino word for great. Okay. So there you go. And, and uh, I'm reprising my character as June. 
um, who was pretty much the freeloader, unmotivated um, relative of, of distant relative or cousin of the Mahusais that tries to um, freeload and take advantage of uh, of their hospitality in the first House Guest movie, which is a short film, which is already released. And in our sequel is a Christmas film, a very merry Mahusai, and then you're in our the third film in that uh, in that Mahusai verse <laughs> storyline. So it's, it should be pretty pretty cool, and uh, um, hopefully we will have a screening for it. Um, you know, I think the film will be roughly ten minutes long, so it should be a lot of fun. I know Zod, Zod, you're getting a little bit of the acting bug, right, Zod? <laughs> Every once in a while. I know you. You've it's been just been the improv stuff right now. Yeah. Um, so, like, if I have to actually start, like, um, memorizing lines and something like that, I might be a little out of practice. <laughs> but uh, if I can, can make, we, I can make can we bring you on board? You know, I mean, I I'll, I'll see. If, I would love to. I would love to. That would see, be if we, great. If, see if there's room for the Persian Prince of Pop Culture. OK, right? OK. I could play. I mean. I don't want to dilute the uh, the the Filipino ness of the film <laughs> too much because it's already a non. We want to start. We want to start. We want to start introducing other characters that are not. Filipino. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it, it's you know because to be inclusive, you have to be inclusive, right? Right. So we would be contradicting ourselves, even though we say we're inclusive for for the, for the Filipinos to, to to have a spotlight. We we at the same time we still should be inclusive. So. Absolutely. I would love to. Yeah. If you're if you're casting for a future film and I can find the time and ability to get there, I would I would love to. Okay, good. We'll have to keep that in mind. Hopefully we'll have the return of Sarah Snuffleupagus Bentman's. uh, uh, (laughs) And it would would absolutely be a joy to hang out with Sarah again. Right. That would be. We miss Sarah. In fact, I hadn't seen Sarah in real IRL in real life in probably a year and a half or two years. So So long. So so it was good to see her in person. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. So so Sarah, we're going to talk about some TV stuff. We we did movies earlier. Um, If you know anything about what we're talking about, feel free to chime in. Um, Cool I gotta stuff. tell you, if you're gonna talk about The Last of Us, I haven't seen it yet either. So, <laughs> Sarah, I hope you, I hope you've watched it because I haven't seen it yet. Not you haven't watched it. Too. You want to watch it? Okay. Is it okay if I talk about the finale? Yeah. You can totally. talk about it. I mean, I, I was planning on starting to watch it, and I guess you're gonna talk about spoilers. Is there any huge surprises in the finale? Yeah. Should I start with the HBO Max stuff first? Yeah, because. Uh, that was the only thing I had under HBO was The Last of Us. And, um, well, you know that the character of Ellie is immune, right, to the zombie. They're, uh, yeah, call, I, they're I, not I called zombies. That. They're called infected. Because uh, they actually say don't call them zombies because they're infected from this this psychedelic mushroom that that, that yeah, causes the cordyceps. the cordyceps, which causes them to, to go crazy and, and eat eat humans and and uh infect other humans right but um in this finale we actually find out why and how ellie is immune which is uh pretty remarkable and i'm I'm glad that i didn't um play the video game i guess because it was kind of it was kind of cool to find out we find out in the very beginning of that episode where um this is a really good Easter egg because Ashley Johnson, who played Ellie in the motion capture in the video game, plays her 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 mother 
in the. Uh, I, thought, I thought Elliot Page played. No, Elliot. that was a rumor because she actually resembled Elliot Page. Uh, the the, the but character. I thought, I thought it, it it wasn't Elliot Page in the game. It was not Elliot Page. It was Ashley Johnson. Yeah. Oh wow! Everyone thought it was Elliot Page. Elliot Page actually did another um, video game. Uh, I forgot it was called, but she did another one, and I think that's where the confusion came from. And then the fact that the the character of Ellie, the video game version that is, kind of resembled Ellen Page, you know? Okay. I think that's what they were going with, you know. But um, but in the very beginning, it's it's Ellie's mom, played by Ashley, who played the uh, the motion capture version. She's pregnant. And apparently she's got a knife in hand and she's attacked by an infected and she's bit and she kills the infected, but she also gives birth at the same time. And it's something about her giving birth and passing on through the umbilical cord. The, uh, I guess some kind of immunity through the umbilical cord is what caused Ellie to be, be immune. Oh, wow. Which is pretty, pretty deep, pretty crazy. Um, and then Ellie, of course, um, is, you know, Ellie told, sorry, Anna, who's Ellie's mother, told Marlene of the Fireflies to take the child to Boston with her and, you know, make sure she's safe. And, of course, you know, she wasn't really safe because if you watch the TV series, it's all kinds of crazy. Um, but um, now the thing is that the the, the, the medical team, they at uh, the Fireflies compound or whatever, they want to examine Ellie as far as how she's immune to the virus. And in doing so, they have to cut her head open and remove, you know, part of the brain that, that that's infected. And she would very much most likely will die if that happens. And um, Joel, man, it's crazy because a lot of people think, you know, Ellie's death would help so many many thousands maybe millions of people that are you know they're infected with the virus because she has the cure or you know so they're saying it's for the greater good but at the same time she has to sacrifice her life you know if that happens so it's a very emotional scene and joel just goes on a rampage and pretty much kills everybody at the compound the doctor the fireflies even marlene um and uh, saves the lives of two nurses. That's pretty much the only lives that they spared. And and now they go off uh, to the brothers, um, where Joel's brother's compound is, and that's what's going to happen in season two. So apparently, I was spoiled on something that happened in season two. Thank you, Big Paul, uh, because of the second video game, he revealed something very, very revealing. But hey, I'm doing this now anyways because the episode already aired. But uh, yeah, highly recommend The Last of Us. It's a very, very exciting, exciting series. Zod. I hope I didn't uh, take a little bit of the. the uh... No, not at all, not at all. I think I'd, I'd still because it's it's definitely been on my list for a long time. Oh, good. And um, you know, something like that, it's not really. I mean, especially from what I've heard, like what's really, really great about the last of us is not really the plot twists as much as it is like the atmosphere and as much as it is the acting. Right. So, so I can totally, yeah, that was, I mean, it sounds cool as hell, but it's cool as hell, I've been, dude. I've been, I've been sold on it a long time ago. too. Sir, you might like this show too. It's on HBO. Uh, sorry for talking about it. You haven't seen it yet, but it's definitely worth a look. It's only nine episodes and, it's uh, it's one of the best shows in television right now. Highly recommend it. But 
speaking of Pedro Pascal, let's let's go into Disney Plus and Mandalorian, Zod. Um, episode three was called The Convert, and I almost, loved that was a, was a good episode. So far, right? That's so far the best episode of the season. It was different, so we only yeah. saw a little bit of Mandalorian and um, um, Bo Katan, um, which is pretty much the result of mando or dinjar and bathing in the living waters and mm-hmm. showing the armor proof um that indeed you know he did bathe in the um, living waters or whatever but um they they could take a complete different turn in that episode don't they yeah and, yeah and it's and it always like that's the kind of stuff that's been really really interesting to me recently is like the more quote unquote normal life that happens in the Star Wars universe and like yeah and in the New Republic and all that stuff with Coruscant and everything. That's why I really found that like the the whole thing in the beginning where they have like all those like classes and for the ex Empire like uh for the Empire Amnesty they call it the Amnesty program. Yeah. Yeah. So the former Empire And, and there's something yeah, and there's something kind of telling about, and it shows like kind of a darkness to it yet, which I guess like Sarah, have you have you watched it? I mean, I, I hope I'm not. You haven't watched anything. any of the Mandalorian. No, I only have Netflix and Hulu. Okay, okay, oh, okay. When you do get to Baby Yoda, uh, <laughs> you might. Um, yeah, this is a this is definitely um you know after we of course see Mando redeem himself, he's now mm-hmm. a Mandalorian, and of course we should mention really quick Zod Bo-Katan. By proxy, I guess, by being with Mando and going into the well, lives. it's because it's because she jumped in the water too. She jumped Just in the water to, too. Is be as now yeah. redeemed as a Mandalorian if she wishes. Then we go. Although to this, she didn't want to, she, she didn't want it was, to. Yeah, she's perfectly fine keeping her helmet on, uh, off rather. And uh, we go to this, uh, you know, different storyline. Like, not even halfway through, a little bit. Um, in, within the episode of what happened with Dr. Pershing, which is uh-huh. the doctor that was going to clone Baby Yoda, and he's trying to redeem himself by leaving the Empire and, and taking part of this amnesty program, and it was really cool to see see that and uh, to see Coruscant because Coruscant is basically a planet with nothing but city. You know, imagine yeah, planet an ecumenopolis. Ecumenopolis. The entire planet's a city. Yeah. So there's no oceans. There's no parks. I guess there's parks. Well, well, well there's you, parks and there's there's, there's bodies parks. of water, but they're like you know artificial. Like everything. They're artificial. Is- yes. Yeah. Yes. It's so it's so wicked. It's just basically New York City or Tokyo times a million. Suppose there's three billion or three billion people that live on that planet. Oh, there's got to be more than three billion. That's, that's what it says in the uh, Star Wars wiki. Wookie, really? Wikipedia. Would, <laughs> Not Wikipedia, I would think Wikipedia. there'd be more because, yeah. like, you think about there's um, there's one billion people that live in China, and there's yeah. like eight billion people on Earth, and you would think Coruscant is at least the same size as Earth, and if it's a big city, then it has the same population density, right. like a much larger population density so i think that's probably a little low <laughs> okay it's probably a little off there but uh yeah you know so so yeah dr pershing wants to clone he wants to keep cloning because he thinks it's going to be good for for the the republic you know and uh apparently elia kane played by kate o'brien takes dr pershing to 
I guess a junkyard of sorts, a shipyard where they keep the old uh, Empire ships, and uh, apparently he gets his lab supplies that he needs to start cloning again, only to fucking set him up. That piece of crap. Mm-hmm. Elias set him up, and I was like, man, I just didn't understand that. And, of course, for, uh, to pay for what he did, he had to get strapped in some mind-altering device. So I guess forget about I, what was the what do you think the purpose was well it was it was supposed guys. to be a low voltage like low voltage therapy thing using what they called a mind flare but the mind, mind flare, flare yes. is like this like scary device that would destroy people's like brains Jesus and oh. and um but you know you remember the um the doctor the admiral akbar not the what what is admiral akbar's race the like the, fish oh people? yeah they're called um, mon calamari aren't they mon calamari they're <laughs> um, the mon calamari guys like we're not like the empire son we're just going to do it at a low frequency <laughs> and um, and then and then it shows they're called Elliot. calamari because they look like squid like giant squid heads it's yeah. so funny <laughs> they call them the mon calamari I, that's the funniest thing ever. So funny. Um, and he said something about it's a trap, you know. So it was kind of like a mm-hmm. little uh, Easter egg for Admiral Akbar when he said it's a trap, you know. <laughs> so that right. was kind of fun. Um, so that that was the Mandalorian episode three. So uh, we'll be talking about episode four next week. And uh, the Daniels, the directorial um, Oscar-winning directors from this past Oscars, they're going to be directing an episode of Star Wars Skeleton Crew on Disney+. Plus. So that's the series that stars Jude Law. And I'm not sure if I'm feeling this one. This is kind of like a group of children uh, that are lost in the galaxy, um, kind of like in the spirit of the Goonies or E.T. I don't know. It's definitely going to cater to kids, and uh, I think we already do that <laughs> a lot of things in Star Wars, but... Well, if I guess it's like so. the Goonies, I mean, or ET, I mean, those are or Stranger Things. I mean, it, there, yeah. there's still a lot of you can still get some really, really good content, good stuff yeah. out of that. Yeah. And apparently, there was a false rumor that Willow would be getting canceled, but apparently, no, they are in production or they're in pre-production, I guess, for season two, and they have at least one season, which are calling Volume Two, left in them. And then apparently that volume two will build on the characters and story of the first eight chapters of the first season of Willow, which I did not check out. Zod, did you, did you check out? Uh, I have not. That's, okay. uh, I, I think I think that's something I'd have to rewatch that movie first. I don't know, like yeah. how close the show to the movie. I haven't seen that. I saw that movie. Um, God, I must have been in like sixth grade <laughs> that, okay. was, that was the right only when time it came out right. that. yeah and so like i don't know it's just it's just the franchise you never got into well it didn't really have anything it just had that movie for like right. years that's all it had years. just the one yeah. movie <laughs> that's a much you can get off off of that yeah um over on netflix we have the upcoming gears of war movie um and apparently this is going to be another video game adaptation if they can get some of the the Last of Us uh, magic uh, for this uh, Gears of War, which I don't know if, you know, maybe they will, maybe they won't, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, the Korean drama The Glory sits on top of the Netflix global top 10 list. Um, 
but the number one American uh, U.S. show on Netflix right now is You Season 4 Part 2, which I have not seen yet. A lot of people say great things about the TV show You. Not You, Zod, as in You the person, but You the TV show. <laughs> it's, have, it's you about, it? It, have you seen it, Sarah? Yeah, I've seen it. it it's okay. I, it's just I okay? After Season 1, it kind of like dies off a lot. Really? Yeah. I heard that season one was the slow one and it gets better. That's what I was told. The season two that I liked. I just feel like after a certain amount, it's just like it, it it's like overdone. Like, okay, we get it. You stalk people and else <laughs> like you've dealt with enough stalkers in your personal. So does you know, he does he like watch a movie about girl stalk. every season? Is that yeah, how that works? Like just killing them in the end and like this <laughs> particular he goes and he tries to move away to another country right. and like trying to like be different and then somebody tries to frame him for like a murder that he didn't do like not but to he's committed all these stuff. other murders right yeah so, <laughs> holy smokes you are you caught up on it are you have you watched season four i've seen most of it i don't i don't remember if i'm caught up on okay it. But I've I've seen a majority of it. Okay, because the part two, the the second half of of season four just dropped, so I was curious uh, if uh, you have any insight on that. But uh, the number two uh, show on Netflix is Shadow and Bone season two, and then the number three um, series is the limited series MH370, The Plane That Disappeared, which is a a fantasy series. Fantasy limited series uh, about the mysterious. Wait, it's calling a docu series or is it a lim- or is it a fantasy series? That's two different genres. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't heard about it. I think it's a documentary. That's what I... it's a, a docu series explores the 2014 mysterious case of flight MH370, deemed one of the world's greatest modern mysteries, where 239 people aboard vanished from all radar. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, so I'm reading this wrong. That is a docu series. It actually follows the the fantasy series of Shadow and Bone, which I just mentioned. So okay, okay, that makes now it's making sense. I mean, there obviously have been lots of fantasy shows that have been based around plane crashes, like Lost. (laughs) So, but this is a true story, and so all 232 people vanished with no sight, no wreckage, nothing. Gosh, that's so crazy. That is well, something I mean, lost. it shows it shows like especially with something like that, because it was um, it's uh, uh, I'm trying to remember now. I'm going to have to do a little bit of rereading about. Uh, but I remember there was there was all sorts of like weird conditions involved with it, like um, the um the rate the the GPS on the plane like stopped working. So like they they could they they had like uh all they had was this like huge um something like almost a thousand mile radius where like it could have been in any of those places. And and um yeah, but it is yeah. crazy, and it also it also shows like there are parts of the world that you know if it's just somewhere in the middle of the Pacific Ocean that could be anywhere, anywhere because it's yeah. so massive. Yeah, or it's Indian Ocean. That's where it crashed. Is in the Indian uh, Ocean? Yeah, that's really crazy. Um, all right, we're getting through this uh, 
in good time um on amazon lord of the rings rings of power season two apparently they're adding actor Ciaran hines uh also rory kinnear and tanya moody have all been cast and uh you might know Ciaran hines from uh game of thrones um he's also in Kenneth brown's belfast um he's in harry potter and the deathly hollows so that should be an interesting addition to season two also, Billie Eilish uh, delivers uh, a, a great acting performance in the series called Swarm. And this is basically a fictional pop star, a fan of a fictional pop star, who basically does everything obsessive, creepy, and murderous to, to I guess, meet her pop star. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's Donald Glover. Donald, Donald Glover. Glover created that. Donald Glover, yes, yeah. that's right. Some celebrity cameos include Rory Culkin and Paris Jackson. But in episode four, you will see uh, Billie Eilish, who delivers one of the buzziest appearances. And they say it's her acting debut, but she did a great job hosting Saturday Night Live. So I would say Saturday Night Live would be her acting debut of anything, you know? I don't know if they say Well, maybe maybe because this one's a more dramatic role. It's more dramatic, yeah. I guess that's yeah. technically acting. Maybe, but does right? she play herself in the in the show? Uh no, I, I, that's a good question. Does she play herself? I don't think so. Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not sure if she does or not. Yeah, apparently uh, she was suggested by Swarm casting director Carmen Cuba, and when they pitched, okay, so her her role her role is Eva. Okay, so, okay, so she doesn't. Yeah, so she does not play herself. Yeah, but it's about pop stars, so I figured it would be <laughs> about herself, right? You you imagine it would. Um, Marvelous uh, Mrs. Maisel is ending. They just dropped the, the the first official trailer for the fifth and final season. Um, oh, I should probably watch that. Start watching that show. Is that on your <laughs> list, the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? It, that, that's been on my list for at least five seasons now because because <laughs> I've been thinking about it. For there is way too much on the list, man. That we yeah. Um, they're doing a Boston uh, Strangler. Um series on hulu uh with carrie coon and kira knightley are portraying the boston record american investigative journalists gene cole and loretta mclaughlin so this is about the the boston strangler in the 1960s who apparently um boston strangler uh murdered 13 women um so this is based on sadly a true true story um and um those are some things that have been very um i don't know uh, embraced by hollywood i mean look at the dahmer series on netflix which is a very crazy tale of, of the serial killer jeffrey dahmer and now we're getting the boston strangler and i think i think the, the american audience are very obsessed with uh true crime you know i think that's why you know um uh let's see um paramount too for you good burger fans i know ali dash would be excited to hear this but uh they're doing a good burger too so this is a sequel to the 90s uh film and keenan thompson and cal mitchell are on board um who play uh dexter reed <laughs> they, they hinted at that in some saturday Night live sketch they did um, they did yeah, yeah and that, that's actually official that will be a a film that's going to go straight to Paramount, and a, and it's apparently it's been 25 years since um, the last, I guess, Good Burger um, iteration that we saw. Um, 
Zod, you ever tune into the original um, Good Burger? I have never seen that movie. But okay. it's, it's like, because I, I was, uh, that came out at, at kind of a, at a time where I was like, oh, I'm not watching this stupid childish shit. And, <laughs> um, and so I never, ever, saw, I mean, like, I remember that commercial with Kel Mitchell going, welcome to Good Burger. Can I help you? Oh, what does he say? Like, can I help you, help you, help you? Or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got those, like, uh, catchphrases, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, oh, this looks so dumb. And then oh. I was like, oh, these guys are never going to amount to anything, especially not that fat kid. <laughs> and then that fat kid winds up becoming the, you know, like the longest tenured SNL cast SNL, member. Yeah, Keenan Thompson's been there for what twenty years? My God, yeah, Um, but yeah, that's coming up on Paramount, on Peacock, the amazing Eddie Redmayne, um, fantastic actor. You know, he's in um, Fantastic Beasts. He's in so many great films um he's gonna be on a television series i think this might be a first for eddie redmayne it's called the day of the jackal it's gonna be on peacock and it's based is that, is that based on the 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 book and the movie that's right that's right based yeah. on seminal frederick Forsyth thriller and subsequent award-winning 1973 film adaptation yes that's right mm-hmm. what do you know about uh the day of the jackals odd um well, I never saw the 1973 version, but there was a remake in the 90s that starred Richard Gere okay. that I remember seeing. Called they called it The Jackal. The Jackal, okay. And I liked it. It was a, it was a, it was a, um, like I, 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 you know, there was a period like, and these were, there was like a really cool period in the 70s where they had like all these like political thrillers, and they were all. Right. You know, um, this and like Marathon Man and um, what's another example? Um, even, um, oh crud, what's it called? Uh, the French Connection things. Well, French Connection was more like crime, but, right. you know, but it's like, uh, and, you know, they had this like, like if you watched um, like the the show Hunters, that that show on uh, Amazon. Fantastic Prime. show! I need to start. Yeah, season two. I got. It kind of has that same vibe. Although okay. I mean, Hunters, the first season was a lot more campy than I think the second season was. The second season, I think, took it more seriously. Wow. Okay. And um, you well, know, this will it, be a, a modern reimagining of the respected novel and film. Oh, so it takes place in the 2020s. It doesn't. Yes, it'll be contemporary drama. We'll delve deep okay. into the communion-like anti-hero at the heart of the story so it's basically a globe-trotting cat and mouse thriller but seven yeah. contemporary times mm-hmm. so uh that should be pretty cool um um i think uh, we talked about jenna ortega earlier but i know sarah you're a fan of jenna ortega you watched all of wednesday didn't you yeah she, she did a great job hosting saturday Night live uh two saturdays ago um and we were off last week but uh, i got to check out um uh, some of the skits she did on YouTube. She's just a fantastic comedic actress. And uh, yeah, it was good. They did a little, um, well, she, she did a great job in her monologue. She talked about uh, how her first gig was a Colgate toothpaste commercial, <laughs> uh, attacking the invisible nasties, which are like the cavities in your teeth or whatever. Um, and she's actually one of the youngest hosts Um only the only younger hosts were Drew Barrymore when she was a child actress, and uh, there's only a couple more, but she's probably one of the younger um, hosts uh, that's ever hosted Saturday Night Live. Um, 
but she got a lot of fun skits in there. She had a, like a, they did a parody of um, Parent Trap with Fred Armisen and her, so that was pretty funny. Fred Armisen's also featured in the Wednesday. Um, um, yeah, but Saturday Night Live is actually uh, taking a little bit of a break till April first, so that won't be back until then. Um, what else do I have in uh, network TV news? Um, Tyra Banks is leaving Dancing with the Stars, so the upcoming season will be hosted by Julianne Hoff. Wow. So she was like a dancer for the first two seasons. Then she becomes a judge, and now she's going to be the host. So that's a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of different hats she's worn over the years, right? Um, and in celebrity gossip, I don't have too much, but Amanda Bynes, uh, apparently she was placed on a 72-hour psychiatric hold. She was found wandering L.A., the streets of L.A., naked. Can you believe that? Uh, and apparently she hasn't been in contact with her family for quite some time. Um, you might know her from She's the Man in 2006 and What a Girl Wants, 2003 film. But, um, yeah, she's um, she's had some um, mental health issues over over the years. And uh, um, they thought that she was doing well because they ended her conservatorship, you know, which you would think that if you end your conservatorship, you, you can – live your normal life you know but after roaming around the streets naked and it wasn't a photo shoot or anything that planned i mean she was just walking around naked and uh um yeah that's that's kind of crazy so uh, our well wishes go out to the mental health of amanda Bynes. i know she's that's crazy that's crazy anyway, um um also well wishes go out to sam neill from jurassic park and all those other movies apparently he's been battling cancer um lymphoma like the strange stage Oof. three right now yeah and um he actually detailed his lymphoma diagnosis in his new memoir did i ever tell you this which is out on march 21st so uh he also said i'm not afraid to die but it would annoy me but i'd really like another decade or two you know but as for dying i couldn't care less what well, doesn't that doesn't make any sense does it he's not afraid to die He'd like another decade or two, but for dying, I couldn't care less. I don't know. <laughs> it just that doesn't really make I mean, sense to me. Well, I mean, it's 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 saying that he's. Um, I mean, everyone would prefer not to die. He's saying, well, I'd like to not die, but if it happens, then I'm ready for it. Oh, okay. That's, way, that's what he's trying to say. Is that what what you're getting out of it? Yeah. Yeah, Sam Neill, he got a little bit of a criticism um, because he was like 25 years older than Laura Dern in in <laughs> Jurassic Park or something like that. I think, yeah, I think uh, I think Laura Dern's only like 50 in her early 50s, and and Sam Neill's 75, and that's kind of been a recurring thing in in Hollywood, you know. Yeah, that's a that's not exactly a new thing in Hollywood. <laughs> that's not no. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're pretty much done. Um. Just really quick, Andy Kaufman is set to enter the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2023. So he'll be joining the great Muda and Rey Mysterio. So, Sarah, I know you're excited about Andy Kaufman, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Sarah, if you get the chance, you should see the Jim Carrey movie, Man on the Man Moon. Man on the Moon. That's, that's, a, that's, Kaufman, that's about yeah. Andy Kaufman, and it's a legitimately good movie. It's like a really, really well done movie. Oh, yeah, it's he really was a, he, he was a weird, weird guy that I think, uh, you know, 
that I think uh, people people should appreciate. Like he was like this like provocateur who loved doing this like weird like really really strange kind of um he loved fucking with people in a way that they wouldn't expect it <laughs> yeah like like he'd do a he'd do a stand-up bit where like he'd make a joke and then just sit and stare at people for like the next like 10 minutes He's a comedic <laughs> genius who sadly died of lung cancer at a young age yeah yeah they called him the anti-comedian he'd do uh, outrageous stunts and the w hall of fame you might want to ask why well he named himself the intergender wrestling champion because he would wrestle women, offering offering them $1,000 if they were able to pin him down. And that was actually a legit thing that he did. And then his antics led to a longtime feud with uh, Jerry the King Lawler in 1982. And uh, apparently that angle was on David Letterman's Late Night with David Letterman. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, he was, he was known for his... Uh, role in the sitcom taxi and uh of course as Zod mentioned man on the moon so there you go um of course we have to say rest in pieces to those that are no longer with us we talked about earlier lance reddick um who is a baltimore native who went on to do hbo's the wire um we mentioned earlier he died of natural causes um and he was just in john wick chapter four which is just crazy um he's only 60 years old and He's in one of the biggest movies coming out next week, you know, with Keanu Reeves. And um, sadly, uh, yeah, he is no longer with us. Um, definitely really sad to, to announce that. Um, who else did we lose? We also lost um, Paul Grant, who was in the Harry Potter. And he had a small role in Star Wars. He was a, a stand-in for uh, Paul Walker. He was a little person. And uh, apparently he was found collapsed Thursday outside of his London Outside of the London train station in King Cross. Oh, man, that's horrible. Yeah, um, King Cross. Yeah, that's. Are you familiar with King's Cross? Yeah, yeah. That's where the, the train bombing was <laughs> in London. That's uh, where my Airbnb was when I went to London. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a few years ago. It's a, it's a, it's a really, um, I mean, it's a really, really nice area. It's just it's an that, amazing area. But, yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy that. Not only the bombing, but now uh, uh, this this actor had passed away, um, Paul Grant. Um, I can't recall who he was in Harry Potter. Who was he? But he was also an Ewok in Return of the Jedi. And he also um, stood in for Paul Baker, um, who was uh, R2-D2. Um, um, also, we lost uh, Peter Hardy, who is an Australian actor. Um, died at the age of 66 after drowning in a snorkeling accident. My gosh, that's horrible. Um, and we also lost. Uh, that's it. Only three. <laughs> only three. I'm like, I was like trying to think of more, read more people that passed away. Luckily, there's only three that reported this week. Um, and then for celebrities, uh, well, death will celebrate light, of course. Um, Gina Rodriguez is not a virgin, despite her role in Jane the Virgin. She uh, welcomed the first child. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> that joke didn't land that well. Uh, Succession star Sarah Snook um, is expecting. And that's a, her first child. And also Lindsay Lohan expecting her first child with husband Badr Shamas. Really? Uh, is that is that a Persian guy? Is that a Persian name? 
Zod. Um, Bedair, Samas. Um, it could. Is that be, one of your peoples? <laughs> it could be. It could be Persian. Although. It could be Persian. Okay. Yeah. Let's see. Bedair. Oh. <laughs> Look it up, Bedair Shamas. Yeah. Let's see. Oh, he's Kuwaiti. Oh, he's Kuwaiti. Okay. Yeah. That's still sort of your people, right? Well, not if you would. Uh, a lot of Persians hate, hate the Kuwaitis. No, not the Kuwait, not Kuwaiti in particular, but okay. a lot of persons hate being considered Arabic. Um, oh my gosh. And like, you know, there's, I, uh, I mean, because I can't really say that because I'm like, I'm like half, like, cause like in, in Iran, there's, um, you know, the two major ethnic groups in Iran are the Persians who are like the lighter skin ones. Right. And, well, I mean, and then the Arabics. And then the Arabic ones who were like more from like the borders with Iraq and everything. And my dad is darker. My dad is darker skinned and my mom is lighter skinned. And so, but, oh my God, you want to, you want to piss off an Iranian person, call them Arab. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. Good to know. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to roast you with the Cure song, Killing an Arab, but I guess I shouldn't do that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, also, uh, Bruce Willis celebrated his 68th birthday and he, they just posted a video. Um, I think his wife uh, posted the video, but it was Demi Moore was there and all his daughters were there to sing him happy birthday. And as you know, Bruce Willis has dementia. He has a frontotemporal dementia diagnosis and he had to retire from acting. So we certainly wish, uh, Bruce Willis, uh, well wishes, um, and happy birthday, of course. But who's celebrating a birthday on March 21st? Um, well, um, that includes actor Timothy Dalton. He's a former Bond, right? James mm-hmm. Bond, right? He was so, in Doom Patrol. He was good in Doom Patrol. And he's in Doom Patrol. Yes, he's 77. Yes. Also, um, Sabrina LaBeouf from The Cosby Show. She was the one of the lesser-known sisters. Compared to oh, was, she, was she like the oldest sister? She was the oldest sister. The yep. one, the one who was older than Lisa Bonet, who right. was, but but less famous, right? Yeah, <laughs> she's sixty-five today. Holy smokes! Good God! Gary Oldman is also sixty-five. Good God! Actor uh, Matthew Broderick is sixty-one. Rosie O'Donnell's also sixty-one. Um, and. Uh, Actress uh, Sonequa Martin-Green from The Walking Dead and Star Trek Discovery is 38. Actor Scott Eastwood, who's one of the Clint Eastwood sons, he is 37. And that's birthdays today. So happy birthday to those uh, celebrities. So um, that that that's everything I got in, in the world of entertainment. Um, Sarah Bettman, what's the latest with you? Because I, I, you got some other cool projects. Are you Are you able to talk about your new project yet? Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Okay. So still, because oh, like, yeah. last time we had you on here, you 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 hinted at it. Um, are you able to give a clue? I don't think so. You're not able. To, okay. So Does it like, involve fairies this time around? It doesn't. Fairies. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but um, Sarah, you are are returning the modeling. Is that true? Yes, I am returning. To yes. The- <laughs> to, to, and you returned to acting on set last weekend so that so you're um back after a little bit of a hiatus right yes 
Right. And of course, you're busy with everything in the world of, of undergrad studies. Yeah. So yeah. that's keeping you more than occupied. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, I don't know how I'm going to catch up with homework. <laughs> wow. You're doing it all, Sarah. Yeah, Sarah knocked it out of the park, man. You know, she she did some improv. She delivered her line really well. She was very natural what she did on set with us. And we can't wait to see the completed film, Sarah. So I'm excited. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. So um, so uh, we're ending with our promise interview. Um, this is a big one for Below the Belt Show. And click on this. It's um, actor Aristotle Athari. Who's also one of your peoples, isn't he, Zod? Aristotle Athari? I think he's Greek. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. <It's> another... <laughs> I know it's from the Mediterranean, but Aristotle Athari, as you know, was uh, formerly of Saturday Night Live. He only was on Saturday Night Live for one or two seasons. But he's in the movie uh, Molly and Max in the Future with Zasha Mamet from HBO's Girls, sci fi comedy we talked about earlier in the program. I get to sit down with Aristotle and the director, Michael Luck Litwack. And uh, it's a great interview talking about uh, this great sci-fi rom-com. I mean, talk about two great genres, sci-fi and romantic comedies, and you merge it into one movie. It's Molly and Max in the Future. Oh, actually, I take it back. He is Persian. That's what I, I thought. See, I was yeah. right. I, I know your people more than you do. Apparently, he's he's hysterically funny. There's this one yes. sketch that he did on Saturday Night Live where he played this like AI comedian, which right. is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I recall that. I recall <laughs> that. He was brilliant. He was brilliant. Yeah. yeah. I actually, um, without asking, because he hasn't really been public about why he left, I asked him if he would return. So this is a this is an exclusive here on BTV. So. You don't want to miss his answer when I talk about it. I leave that towards the end of the uh, interview because I guess um, I wanted to know why he left Saturday Night Live. But mm-hmm. anyways, yeah, Aristotle Athari, our feature interview um, for our first South by Southwest interview. It was such a great time. Highly recommend Austin, Texas. It's a super cool city. Um, it's basically they call it the blue city in a red state because it's a majority like conservative state of Texas. But then you have like the city of Austin, which they consider like the weird city because there's a lot of artists that live there, a lot of musicians. Um, pretty freaking cool. Um, but we had the best time. We click on this. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, we'll uh, look forward to hopefully going again next year. So that's all I have uh, for BTB. Any last minute plugs? Zod, are you are you plugging anything else? Um. Yeah, I guess I can plug something. Um, April 8th is my next um, improv show. Yes. It's actually at, um, it's not at Big, it's actually at uh, the Baltimore Mead Works. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually um, this, this other improv group called High Wire Improv. They have these, like, shows there, um, these, like, um, these shows there periodically, and we were selected as one of the the teams to to be there for that show. So that's what awesome. we're going to be doing. Yeah, so we'll have to check that out. Put that on my calendar, Zod. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and Baltimore Mead Works is a cool place. You, uh, you know, they they, you know, they, they it's a place where they um, they 
I guess you don't brew mead. Like, what do you do with mead? Like, mead is like that honey wine. It's like that sweet wine. Like a cider, almost. Yeah, yeah, but it's not brewed. Like, you know, I don't know how they make it, but it's made there (laughs) because they have the big barrels and these gigantic drums and stuff. Like, I I did another show. I mean, I I saw a show there, and it was like, yeah, it's, it's an interesting space. Okay. Interesting. All right. Um, Sarah Snuffleupagus, I know you can't plug the one project. We no. talked about the Mahusai project you did with us. Is there anything else you want to promote? Your social media, I guess? Yeah, I guess just you follow me on Instagram at S-E-R-A underscore Gabriella. Sarah Gabriella, you have a ton of followers. That That's pretty awesome. 28, 20-some K, right? Yeah, 20-something K. 20-something K uh, followers. So that's amazing. And now that the uh, the modeling's back, maybe the maybe those uh, will increase that's gonna, again. That's gonna increase. Yeah. Yeah. Are you are you able to say why you retired for for a short period or took a hiatus? Uh, not retired, but took a hiatus from modeling. Are you able to say? Toxic relationship. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. so oh, are not- you uh, are you like did you break up with him? Is that why? Yeah. You know, I just stopped talking to him. <laughs> Wow. So he was not all about the modeling and, and no. doing stuff. He, uh, he didn't even want me going to the grocery store. So it was one of those like. Okay. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I know. I know. But we don't need to give him any promotion. So we... no. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> but uh, Sarah, we're glad you're back. This Thank is you. the old Sarah Snuffleupagus. She's back. Yes. Yeah. Almost, right? Yes. Oh my God. Okay. You're not back to the the lingerie yet. I don't think so. I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> okay. Because you were doing I the Maxim like, style yeah. lingerie, but bourgeois. Probably not like 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 that. Like if I was to do it, it'd be more lifestyle based. Lifestyle like, and fitness, right? Yeah. Or swimsuit. Lifestyle. Like I would do like something you'd see like airy, like that sort of thing. If I did okay. like. Again. Okay, so not exactly the old Sarah like Snuffleupagus, that. but a l- little mix of, b- of both, I guess. Yeah. A little, little halfway point, I guess, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I dig it. I dig it. <laughs> All right, guys, on behalf of everybody um, and our uh, – <laughs> we interestingly had a, a guest that joined us, and I did not prepare, so we had to reschedule her for next week because I was so unprepared, but it's actress Deandra Lyle. And Zod, you said your kids watched Deandra's show? Yeah, yeah, they have. I don't know anything about that show okay. at all. So your kids are going to have to come up with some good questions and send them my way. <laughs> I guess so. No. <laughs> so, so we're going to feature DeAndre Lyle's interview on next week's BTV, guys. So I guess on behalf of everyone that joined us earlier, Simi Terrell and Chachi McFly, the King of the 80s, and of course, joining us for the latter half includes the one and only Mike the General, Zod. And Sarah Snuffleupagus Bentman. <laughs> and I'm Al Soto, a.k.a. Celebrity Soto, guys. We will see you guys next week. Until then, <laughs> peace. All right. Special interview time here at South by Southwest, the iconic Driscoll Hotel, with two of the creators of Molly and Max in the future. We have director, writer extraordinaire, Michael Lickwack and producer and star Aristotle Athari. 
Good Hello. to have you both on uh, Click On This Show. Thank you. Hello, thanks for having us. And happy birthday, Michael. Oh, thank you. This must have been the perfect birthday present to have your film be uh, selected as the one of the films for the South by Southwest Festival. Definitely, you know, it kind of just ended up like that by chance. Uh, we didn't we didn't tell them it was my birthday, and they just gave us that day, and it lined up, and uh, it was the best birthday present you could ever ask for. Right, fantastic. Well, first of all, let's talk about the beginning. Uh, because I saw the film was fantastic. It's one of the most unique films I've ever seen because everybody loves a rom-com. Everybody loves sci-fi. Uh, so tell me about your idea to kind of merge those two genres together. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I just have a very wide uh, range of interests. And for me, I like to try to make the movies that I want to see. And, you know, I grew up watching uh, big budget action, action spectacles um, like Indiana Jones and Star Wars and, uh, you know, movies that really transport you to another universe. And kind of you get that almost like sense of tourism of, of stepping into a world you've never experienced before. And um, I also love kind of character driven romantic comedies, you know, about normal people living in New York City and uh, complaining about their therapists and um, you know it just kind of occurred to me I, I rewatched When Harry Met Sally and I kind of realized that uh, while it's this timeless classic um, you know there was a lot of things that felt like they needed updating and because it didn't really talk about the way that you know our careers factor into our, our, our identities um, it didn't talk about like race or politics or social justice or um, just how kind of overwhelming the world feels these days um, and so I kind of just wanted to synthesize my thoughts and my feelings about uh, where we are as a society. And I think that's one of the things that science fiction allows you to do is kind of um, use metaphor and allegory to explore um, subjects um, and just try to kind of mash up all the things I love about movies and put them, in, put them into one. And certainly you did. Let's talk about some of the influences in the films, because after watching it, I saw the Star Wars Double Sun, maybe, yeah. and uh, Zosia Mamet's uh, hairstyle and the iconic Princess Leia, uh, yeah, uh, cinnamon bun style. Yes, definitely. I mean, I think sci-fi has, like, it, there's such a rich tradition and, and fandom in it, and we tried to just hide as many Easter eggs as possible throughout the film. And so, you know, we have the twin sons, we have the... The twin buns. Uh, <laughs> twin sons and twin buns. Twin sons and buns. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. We also did a lot of like rom-com references in there. You yeah. know, Jerry Maguire with the goldfish. Sure. Um, I'm trying to think like what else. Uh, Walter is from Sleepless in Seattle, the name. Sure, yeah, um, yeah. You know, uh, Maria is from Metropolis, the, the Fritz Lang movie, the, one of the first science fiction movies ever. Um, you know, we just tried to kind of, if you look very closely in the, in the background, we, we dropped some, some, some names in there of, of, you know, fictional corporations that are from other films, but you really have, you really have to hunt for those. Um, but yeah, we just, you know, I think that's one of the fun things of, if you can create experience that then people want to watch and they, they realize something new every time, um, hopefully, you know, they'll keep coming back. Aristotle, talk about, uh, you, you getting involved with the project. Well, um, I want to say up top, you said that we were both the creators. This is the sole creator of the movie. I didn't create it. I mean, if, <laughs> thank you. If I if if I had, I think I would be. I mean, good lord. I mean, I don't know how. I don't know. It would have taken me like probably a decade to write something like that. I mean, it's just it's so like interwoven with so many different little, um, you know, Easter eggs and and uh, I mean, it's such a rich world. Um, but uh, your question is, uh, how did I get involved with it? Yes. I mean, I read the script, um, I, uh, uh, and I remember watching your, the uh, Apple Squadron, and immediately I was just like, because you really have to watch the, 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 
the short and his previous work and, and the script. You have to kind of take them both in at the same time to kind of really get... I mean, it was clear from, from the jumpstart that it was such a, like a visionary kind of project. It was clearly there's like... And I, I've read so many things where you don't really get a... Um, uh, you don't get a sense of, 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 the, uh, of the writer or the director's um, sensibilities. But like from the get-go, I could just... It, it was just so obvious um, on the page that, you know, I was hoping that he would allow me to be in it. I, I was lucky enough. I'm not joking. I remember, I remember a week, because we met, I remember going there, and uh, we went to this, uh, we, what was Grey it? Dog. Grey Dog. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I just remember, like, uh, whatever he, I was like, oh, I just get whatever he gets. It's like, because, didn't I get whatever you got? I don't remember. I think, <laughs> he goes, I'll take the so-and-so sandwich. I was like, I'll take that too. It's actually, that's my favorite too. Like, it really wasn't. But I was just really trying to get him. Our out. whole relationship is based on a lie. Yeah, it is. It's a classic rom-com. I mean, I mean my wife, it's the same thing. Yeah. Based on a lie. <laughs> but no, I mean, and then, and then when we got into it, it, uh, you know, there's, there's a very, there's a lip whack rhythm and feel to the thing and, and you kind of have to, uh, you know, you, you you embrace it when you're on it, and then you and you kind of trust, 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 and you're there. And then when you see it, it's kind of. I hope that didn't sound complicated. I think I think we got it. Um, Aristotle, do you have any favorite sci-fi jo- um, oh, yeah. films or things that you Big maybe time. brought into your character of Max? Um, yeah, I mean, I. I, I knew that we were going to see Max in different phases. Uh, the first phase of Max that you see was kind of very much like me back in high school a little bit. I actually had long hair. Didn't have glasses then, but I had long hair. Uh, that was something that when we when we first started talking, you showed me a picture of yourself in high school with long I? hair. Because I was like, should we do a wig? Should we not do a wig? I don't know. Like... And yeah. we talked about it, and, and then you showed me the picture. I was like, "We got to do it." <laughs> and, and, and there's a testament to like when you when you're in makeup or 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 in a prosthetic or something, and that kind of gives you a little bit of a um, uh, a tool as an actor to kind of like, oh, I can kind of get in, I can get into this character more because of this thing, whether it's like teeth or whatever. And I remember seeing myself in the wig, and I felt very much like me back in high school again. I could feel some, like some of those memories kind of came back. So that made it very easy for me. Um, in that regard, um, but uh, Gattaca is one of my favorite sci-fi movies of all time. Um, I love that movie; uh, it means a lot to me. Um, I don't know if I necessarily brought any of that to this, but I do. I, there was there was a. You little... didn't make me call you Ethan Hawke on set. Yeah, yeah, all, I did all the time. <laughs> and Jerome, I made you yeah. call me Jerome. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, that's also that's a Gattaca. Um, but, the, uh, uh, but there was a little bit of that kind of like I did feel like you know Max wanted to be something that everybody said that he couldn't be and that was a big theme in Gattaca and really kind of a big theme in my, my life growing up um, so yeah I mean uh, yeah it's, it's funny how the movie became even more and more mental like by the end of the movie I got so emotionally invested in it because I felt like there was so much of me in these characters because I've also gone through you know, a lot of not so great relationships landing on the one that, and she is my best friend. That's yes. the other thing that was a big theme in the movie that kind of was huge for me was the fact that um, uh, the reason why me and my wife work so well is because we are absolute total best friends. And that, I, I feel like that that's really the key to any of a strong relationship, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, that was, so, that was something that we kind of talked about in, the, in our first meeting of yeah. just one of the reasons when Harry met Sally works so well is that you really you really believe that they belong together at the yeah. end of the film and 
so often that doesn't feel earned. Um, and like a lot of romantic comedies are about like somebody lied to the other person and that's like the thing holding them back from being together. But yeah. um, I think, yeah, just making it feel like, you know, the basis of a relationship is, is friendship. Um, and that was something I remember we initially connected on. Yeah. I still don't know if I'm his Billy Crystal or his Meg <laughs> Ryan. I think... I think I'm your Meg Ryan. I think... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you're the optimist. Yeah, yeah I think I'm, yeah. I'm your Meg Ryan, and I think, uh, I think Zosh is totally Billy. Yeah. <laughs> He's a little Billy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Talk about Zasha because you guys had some great chemistry yeah, on screen. And did you have to do a screen test for the two of them, or you knew right away that I, these I two just, worked well you know, together? The, like I look up, I do a lot of research before I even talk to an actor because I don't like wasting people's time. And you know, I'd been familiar with Zasha's work for a very long time because of Girls, and she was always my favorite part of that show. And just she's been in so many things, and you can just tell that like she has so much skill and talent, but she also brings her own personality to things and she has like an inherent character to herself um, and she has like an opinion and a point of view and um, so I just you know she was always like somebody that I've, I've been wanting to work with her for years um, and you know when it came to Aristotle like I looked up all of it I looked up his Montreal Just for Laugh set I looked up all of the sketches that he had on SNL I looked up like interviews with him and you just try to get a sense and like try to see what people's range are ahead of time and what they are as, like as people because you're going to be spending a lot of time with them and um, you know I think like we picked a really great group of people that all got along and everybody was really respectful yeah. and like hardworking and like collaborative and I think Sasha also like really did an amazing job of like setting the tone for the whole set because she had so much experience and a lot more than almost everybody else and she really came in and was just like so gracious and humble and supportive and generous with her time and energy and I think just like brought up everybody around her constantly. Awesome. All right. So the film has many interesting planets, um, creatures. Let's talk about uh, how you came up with some of those creatures like the big octopus and the trash dimension. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel like uh, that's a a good question. Um, I'm trying to remember the so, like, I think Mobius was, you know, the, the metaphor was kind of being in a toxic relationship, and I didn't want it to go too far to the point of being, um, like, like full-on abuse, but uh, I just wanted to, to be a metaphor for, like, dating someone who's kind of an asshole and who you are very much, like, enamored with, but they just treat you like shit. And um, because I felt like the character of Molly would, would fall into something like that based on her, you know, uh, uh, just based on her history and, and who she was. Um, and so I just knew I needed something kind of ridiculous. Um, and, you know, I think one of the, you know, Star Wars is, is so great, but it's, a, it's like a pretty sexless universe. Um, there's no real sex in it. And not, not enough sex. Yeah. I know, I know. My, my, Michael was like, I, was like know, I love Star Wars, but it's just not enough sex. Agreed. <laughs> we only got so much of Princess Leia in her, in yeah, her yeah. bikini outfit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was that, there was that. That was that. <laughs> but, but uh, so I, you know, I wanted it to just kind of feel ridiculous and over the top and, you know, be so silly and absurd that um, you, you wouldn't take it too seriously and it wouldn't feel too dark. Um, and so I feel like tentacle monsters are just like a sci-fi trope that I love. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, just the, the whole 
um, tentacle porn community is like a very funny thing to me. Um, is that a thing? I think so. <laughs> really? There, there's people that are into that, man. I'm not gonna say that I will or won't look that up. Maybe yeah. I will. Yeah. There's some Japanese anime. Uh, yeah. Is there really? There's yeah. like a fetish of that. Tentacle porn? Yeah. yeah. It's, it exists. Yeah, don't pretend like you don't know. <laughs> You also bring up the technology of AI with uh, yeah. Your, oh, yeah, yeah. one of your girlfriends, yes, right? Yes. In, in the film. One of mine. Yeah. So many girlfriends. In this. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, let's talk about the bringing the, uh, the technology of AI in, into your film. Yeah, I mean, um, I think, you know, on the flip side of uh, Molly and her kind of one of her relationships in the movies with this guy who's super controlling and... and gaslights her I think you know it was kind of about finding the contrast with the, the the woman that Max dates being you know this kind of like shadow version of himself and that like mm-hmm. uh, you know encourages pushes him in all the wrong directions and I think for someone that is like a logic someone who tries to think of themselves as a logical person dating someone that kind of like checks the boxes and you know f- fulfills that role um, felt like the right thing for his character to kind of explore and so the idea was just to have a to, to have him date a robot that he built and have it be kind of messy and weird and complicated and um, have them be more um, have it be something that he kind of did for his career and kind of fell into rather than something that he actually wanted for himself. Right on. Love the film. Um, are you thinking about a sequel yet? Are you thinking about action figures? I am. Yes, so merchandise. We'll, we'll, we'll totally do action figures and Florp <laughs> soda shirts. Or it's, we're going to start an empire um, of Florp. I have some Glorp stuff at the house. <laughs> well, I, I, I stole a lot of stuff from the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sell that shit online, man. <laughs> Paloma's, uh, what type of boot was it? it cyber boot. Cyber boots. Yeah, some fetish, foot fetish people. Will, will <laughs> what is that? What is, that? <laughs> is that a thing? It is. <laughs> Dude, just wait till you see the tentacle foot people. <laughs> nice. But you have thought about a sequel and, and, and the I next mean, adventures? I don't, I don't know if... Like Molly and Max specifically, but uh, <laughs> I, I feel like rom coms are kind of a hard. There aren't really rom com sequels, yeah. um, so you never say never. You never yeah. know. But um, Sally part two. yeah, uh, two Harry, two Sally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so we'll see. <laughs> Fantastic! Wow. Anything else you guys want to plug and promote? Other than um, Molly and Max in the future. I don't know when this is being posted, but uh, we have a couple more screens at South By. Yes. And, uh, you know, find us on, if you if you saw it um, or you see it at a festival, go find us on Letterboxd and mm-hmm. tell your friends. And um, yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, same. And I think we have, a, I think, I don't know, not positive, is there a screening in LA? Um, not yet. Not yet, but there might be, and if there is, look out for that. Okay. Yeah. And if I could ask one question, uh, a colleague wanted me to ask you, yeah, yeah. Arias. Um, we miss you on Saturday Night Live, oh, and wondering uh, if you, you could be back or, or, or want to come back at I, one point. For me, I, I really New York was in was I don't know. You never know. You, you never, never know. know. You never know. So okay. But for now, for now, no. But for now, you're doing all these great feature films. I, I had such a great time shooting this that it was like uh, I do want mm-hmm. to explore a lot of other you know. And I did I did I worked on another film after that, and mm-hmm. then and then I'm working on a show now, and so nice. you know I do like. Just kind of challenging myself creatively. I know that sounds kind of uh, something typical that an actor artist would say or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, but I do like that. I, I, it makes me sharper. And like working with Zasha really kind of made me sharper too, because you know, um, as as Michael had mentioned, you know, she's she's a pro, and, and being able to go from like just comedy to being very professional. Like I'm I'm around a lot of goofballs all the time, for mm-hmm. for better or worse, and so um, I do like kind of 
uh, working with people that kind of make me better as, as, a, as a creative and an actor and professional. So, so I hope to do that more. Yeah. Love it. Wow, fantastic. So uh, before we go, if you could do a little promo, let us know who you are, uh, plug for the movie, a catchphrase from the movie, and yeah. let us know you're on Click on This. At the beginning or the end? Click on the end. <coughs> be on the end. Okay, ready? Mm-hmm. Uh, hi, I'm Michael Luke Litwack. I'm the writer and director of Molly and Max in the Future. It is a sci-fi romantic comedy. We kind of pitch it as when Harry met Sally meets Rick and Morty or Futurama. Um, and it follows the story of uh, two people who kind of meet and re- keep on meeting each other over the course of 12 years. Um, but it's set, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of years in the future. Um, and this... What what's the name of the what's click on this and this is clickonthis.com. You want to do it again? <laughs> we can do that again. Um, click on this dot TV. Click on this uh, or, just gonna, cl- or just click on beginning because or just click on this is easier. All right. And then um, also it's going to be on my podcast below the belt show. Okay, should I do that too? Yeah, you can do that as well. All right. Uh, hi, my name is Michael Litwack. This is click on this TV and below the belt podcast, and uh, we're here talking about our movie. Molly and Max in the Future, it is a sci-fi romantic comedy. We kind of pitch it as When Harry Met Sally meets Futurama or Rick and Morty. Um, it follows the story of two people who meet over and over again over the course of 12 years, four planets, three dimensions, and one space cult. Um, come check it out. Oh, hi. I'm Aristotle Atari. Uh, I am uh, one of the stars of the movie, uh, Molly and Max in the Future. Uh, and, and this is on clickonthis.tv. And... Below the line, below the waist, below the, below the, below the belt. belt, below the tummy, <laughs> below the belt, below the belt. Let's do it again. <laughs> below the belt. <laughs> Click on this TV and below the belt podcast. Hi, I'm Aristotle Atari. Uh, I'm one of the stars of Molly Max in the Future, and this is Click on this TV and Below the Belt podcast. Uh, please watch this movie. Please. <laughs> yes. And during your Q&A, I loved how you surveyed the crowd. Are there any kids in the oh, audience? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a weird thing about using cursor with drunk kids. I'm not sure. I get weird about that. And you said, because this movie was fucking amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. A long time ago, I did a stand-up show, and, uh, and the, so there was a kid in the audience I didn't even know. Mm-hmm. And, then, uh, and then after the show, um, uh, the mom was like, I like your stuff, but you got to stop saying fuck. And he got to stop saying an ass. And I'm like, why? He goes, because my kid's here. And the kid was like nine years old. I'm like, lady, don't bring your kid. But yeah, so I don't, I don't. I'm a little Awesome. Yeah, sorry. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank Michael. you. Well, it has been a ill show tonight, and I think we have all learned some valuable lessons. This is your bot for the bad boys of Baltimore saying, until next time, keep chilling like a villain. Bye, goodbye, goodbye.